Lash and Cast. What's up? Yo. How are you? I'm, I'm dandy. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I woke up this morning, <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, I don't really want to do this today. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I've had a really long weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet you have. Yeah, I'm. Mine, mine was with the birthday and everything. I'm feeling a bit flugy today. Flugy. Yeah. How was the little birthday gathering that I missed? It was good. It was mellow. It wasn't crazy. I mean, it's not like I got shit faced or nothing. I was just. It's just been a busy. I've been running around, going crazy for the last week or so, doing birthday stuff and then cleaning and dealing with people it's mostly dealing with people you know it's uh it can be taxing as you know but you do Ugh. that's what you do for a living dude so yep. uh you know it's uh it was good it was good nice little shindig um yeah it's gonna be a t- it's gonna be yeah uh, i was like oh god we have to do this today <laughs> <laughs> we're just getting the viewers pumped for our enthusiasm yeah. right now i mean i'm excited to talk to tom he's he's yeah. he's always fun but i it was more it's not that i don't want to do this it's the fact that i have so much going on right now i was like this was a bad idea to try to stick in the middle of everything i'm trying to do but anyway we're here we're here we're um, doing it we're doing it for you guys yeah um moaning. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got a little time before he gets on. So yeah. Um let me see. I have some notes here. I just got back from the UK. Shot, shot a bunch of new Horrors Hall Grounds episodes, been editing like a madman. Hopefully we'll get the second one uh out this week. I did the young ones, which was shocking to me how popular it was. Mm. I mean, last time I looked, it was up to like 44,000 views. Wow, that's was, amazing. I know. I thought nobody would care, you know? Yeah. But yeah. I, people it, care. I, people they like care. the young ones. People like it. Yeah. Dude, one thing that was, I, I was shocked about the UK, they have completely done away with plastic straws and utensils. Mm. I mean, completely. I, I didn't see any. Wow. And that kind of surprised me that they're that they're that, that far, far ahead. ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And God, it sucks, man. The paper straws, they suck. The <laughs> the, the 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 utensils, they're they're all wood. They're like yeah. it's and you know, they taste terrible. It's like remember when you would when you're a kid and you'd eat a, a popsicle and you get to yeah. the stick and it's like yeah. 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 It's like the stick the whole time because it's made of the same <laughs> shit. Right. It's it, it's you know, what I don't get is how people can piss and moan, you know, about, oh, we got to save the planet. We got to get rid of the straws. Yet they'll sell a giant plastic cup with a plastic lid. Right. But the straw's the problem. How about a paper cup and a paper lid with a plastic straw? So at least tastes good. Right. Right. Anyway. 
Fuck it. Boom. Get off yep. my lawn right out of the gate. Right out the gate. I'm throwing to get off my lawn. I needed it. it I, I needed to fucking uh, to feel. Okay. I got a funny story from this weekend. All right. Um, so I can't even remember the dude's name, but he, he was, uh, he played the killer in Urban Legend, the Urban okay. Legend movie. He was a guest at the convention. I didn't know he was there. There was, uh, it, I was just at the Houston Horror Film Fest. It was actually really good. And uh, it's my second year doing it. It was their third year. It's a great show. I definitely want to try to get you there next year. Um, it was fun. But they have two kind of big ballrooms on each side of the hotel. And he was on the side I wasn't. So I didn't see the dude hardly uh, the whole weekend. But I was in the elevator. I was wearing a Terra Train shirt, right? And uh, um, he looks at my shirt. And there was other people in the elevator. And he goes, uh, is that the original? And I said, it isn't that crappy remake. And he goes, oh, I worked on that. And I go, <laughs> and I go, the crappy remake? And he goes, no, the original. <laughs> I was like, good. And everybody in the elevator laughed. <laughs> and fortunately, he said, no, the original. And oh, then he dude. goes, yeah, I got thrown off a train in that. I said, yeah, we shot that in Montreal. And I knew it was shot in Montreal. I knew that already. And I said, Hey, do you know where that opening scene was shot? You know, where they had the bonfire and because it's like the only real practical location. There was like the train station, the bonfire thing, the rest of the movies on a train. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, I don't know. And, I, and he was getting off the elevator and I said, well, I'll come talk to you later. So I go over there later and he sees me and he goes, Oh man, I'm so embarrassed. I go, what? And he goes, it wasn't terror train. I worked on. It was, some other movie that didn't it was like man on fire or something it was some like totally different name i got thrown off a train in that movie and i'm like how do you fucking mix that up i i was <laughs> i don't get it but anyway so i was gonna pick his brain but hey, apparently but forget he, it <laughs> he can't remember what he worked on um but uh, uh real quick what's going on with that i see it was up some scarecrow tree action oh, I gotta, oh yeah my shop's a mess i apologize to everybody out there i'm working on a working on some halloween business that's my new scarecrow that i'm it goes way up there the head's up there obviously oh there's a head um, up there sweet there's a head there's a head up there that glows and these pumpkins will be carved and they will glow oh cool and, um, and it's going to be draped with black weather draping, more like a Tim Burton-esque kind of scarecrow got going on. So you're going to go that for the front yard. Yeah, going to go big in the front yard this year going since big. you've got some free time. Going big. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. Yeah. So been been juggling, building Halloween stuff and concerts and, uh, you know, birthday stuff. Mm -hmm. Got my Got my giant birthday beard that i'm growing here you see how big i can get that thing <laughs> um, um yeah so yeah that's my scarecrow Working yeah i know you and i talked about it already but yeah you went and saw tears for fears and then you went and saw danny elfman like a few days later mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they were great shows both of them yeah. great shows um tears for fears was at the hollywood bowl they sounded amazing whether you like them or not they live they sound exactly like the record like exactly mm. and, uh, uh, and just a beautiful show great show had great seats and then a few days later went and saw danny elfman in irvine down in irvine at that mm. weird pop-up arena or five points theater whatever it's right called. by my house yeah yeah 
So went and saw that. That was a great show. Uh, did a lot of his solo stuff um, with off that album, kind of like a metal industrial kind of album. Mm-hmm. But uh, in between those songs, he did um, you know movie themes and and uh, all the stuff he'd done for film and stuff, which was really cool. A lot of that was very emotional, so that was cool. Um, and did a, a nice tribute to uh, did a lot of Boingo, uh, and he did a nice tribute to Paul Rubens, who we lost since our last show. Yeah, another topic. Yeah, that was a shocker, man. It really was. It really, really was. I worked with Paul on the Tripper. Uh, oh, wow. that David Ar- that David Arquette written, wrote and directed, and we did that movie together. And he was the nicest man, and so friendly and so nice. And I got on his Christmas card list, so I, I would get a Christmas card from Paul Rubens every year. Once you're on his list, you get one. So it was super Not cool. Right. You save them. That I did. I saved them all. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that was really sad and really shocking. And I had no idea he was sick. I had no, no idea. Kind of like the Neil Pert thing, just kept it quiet. Yeah. And, and even Eddie Van Halen, there was rumors, but yeah. I mean, that was yeah. also a shocker too. You know? Yeah, yeah. So that was sad. Um, uh, not to go there. But uh, since we're there, we might as well go there. We lost William Friedkin. Yeah. Another another person I worked with on a movie called The Hunted. Which but was, didn't have the best experience with. Didn't have the best experience with. <laughs> <laughs> I had an atypical William Friedkin uh, experience that a lot of people have had. I'm proud to kind of wear that as a badge of honor. It's the only movie I ever quit hmm. uh, in my career, which I think we've talked about before. But yeah. Um, um that was that was i still respected that guy and respected his movies and loved oh him yeah a lot of, you know i mean he was i met him a couple times and he was a dick to me both times i mean he he was just kind of and and you know it, it it i mean i was a fan i'm a big fan yeah. but but yeah he was unnecessarily dickish um weird and I, I don't know if I told, I know I told you the story, but I don't know if I've told the story before, but I was at a screening of the first, first time I met him at the, a screening of the Shaq film, Blue Chips. And uh, right. he did a and a afterwards. Obviously, the only reason we went to the screening was because we knew William Friedkin was going to be there yeah. and uh, never met him. So he did a Q&A. During the Q&A, I asked two questions. First question was, are we ever going to see a widescreen release of The Exorcist? Because at that point, they hadn't brought it out widescreen in any format. This is, we're talking Laserdisc days. And uh, he said, no, it wasn't shot widescreen. That was his answer, which mm-hmm. we all know is bullshit. It was shot 185. Um, second question I asked was, are we ever going to see the spider walk footage? No, we never <laughs> shot that. which we found out is an also a lie and he ended up releasing it you know so i don't get it don't understand i mean i heard that he would just do shit like that to yeah maybe he thought it was funny to be you know but whatever yeah Yeah. rest in peace (laughs) i don't know but um rest in peace mo he used to call everybody mo mo and we also lost uh sinead o'connor yeah which I mean, you know, I'm assuming was an overdose or suicide. Have they actually said? 
I haven't heard anything. I know she had all kinds of mental issues and yeah. And her son died not that long ago, committed suicide. uh, Yeah. And and, you know, it sucks because it's, I mean, obviously when someone passes like that, you, you start to revisit their catalog and everything. And and I started going back and listening. I was like, Holy shit. I forgot. I really was a fan at one point. I, cause I knew a lot of her songs. I guess I owned a couple albums back in the day. I don't know why I don't anymore, but um, I kind of want to rebuy them. She was great. Yeah, she was great. There's a great documentary about her that's out. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, it came out not that long ago. It's really good. Seek that out. Check it out. It's really good. It goes through her entire uh, career yeah i'd like to see that yeah. um so i do have a good get get off my lawn from this weekend all right all right Zero. so I, actually, I took notes <laughs> <laughs> saturday morning nay and i were grabbing some breakfast at the little breakfast cart at the hotel bought some stuff got up to the register and they were taking cash they were Ooh. Um, and she goes, that'll be $20 and three cents. <laughs> so I handed her uh, $21 thinking maybe right. she'll just give me the dollar back. Like, you know, that, that happens a lot. Don't assume it, but I just hand her the 21. She goes in, starts to get the change. I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess she's going to give me my 97 cents back. She then hands me three quarters and goes, thank you. And shuts the drawer. I'm looking at it. I look at her and I go, Shouldn't it be 97 cents? And she goes, oh, we don't have enough change. I go, so you think I should sacrifice 22 cents versus you sacrificing three cents? And she just goes, reaches in, grabs another quarter and gives it to me. Oh, wow. But it's like, shouldn't you at least say something? I mean, (laughs) my change is 97 cents. The, the thing most people would do would be hand the dollar back and go, don't worry about the three pennies that she could have taken out of the tip jar that was sitting right there. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, come on, man. I, yeah, I'm not cheap, but it's just the, the point. Uh... Fuck you. It's just the <laughs> point. It's, 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 the, it's, you know, you shouldn't assume shit. Just like I, maybe I should have just handed her 20 and just right. been like, so let me ask you, you know, this: If she if she had just went, if she'd have reached into her thing and went, "Oh, you know what? I'm really sorry. We don't have enough change. Can I just give you the seventy five cents?" You'd have probably walked away fine with that. No, I would have <laughs> said no. I, I would have said it seems like it would make more sense if you just gave me the dollar back. That's what because right. three cents versus twenty two cents. Right. Come on. Right. right. I got anyway. you. I'm I, with you. That's I'm bullshit. You. I'm sorry. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. All right. Oh, by the way, I think I need to make an announcement. Uh, you know, let's put this baby to bed. Uh oh. I think I'm finally. You know, it's 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 one of those things you have to. I guess it's like an alcoholic having to wean yourself off of alcohol or whatever. But I think I finally am completely satisfied and sold on ball cream. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I mean, I, I've gotten used to it, you know, that it's because it's like a little cream and you, you do and then you put it uh, on. Yeah, it, it turns into a powder you do with it. I know what you do. Hey, with hey, it. Let me it's, show you where you put it. No, it's all good. Anyway, I don't know. I, I've I've I finally I have finally 
you're but, regimented into it. It's part of your it's part of your uh, your daily uh, horseshit when you get ready every day. Oh, you know, it's funny. It's like it's, it's like it's like your deodorant, your Q tip. Yeah. Your, yeah. You know, James you know. Remar just told me the other day. He goes, "Oh, I got a gift for you." And I said, "What's that?" He goes, "I found a bo- uh, uh, an extra bottle of the old talcum baby, baby powder, I, and I'm going to give right. it to you." Right. And I'm like, "No." I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to go back. I don't. I need to. I've. 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 I've made. What is wrong with your testicles that you need to fucking put cream on it? Do you, should you go to a doctor or something? Do you not? Do you is not there, put you anything? Do you not do on? anything down there? I nothing? do not do anything. Really? I don't need to do anything. You don't get don't the bat. Any... You don't get bat wing. You don't get nothing. No, I don't get any <laughs> of that shit. I don't know what it is that you guys are doing. Are you not, is your underwear not fit right? Are you, what are you doing? I don't understand what you're doing that you need to have medication on your, on your shit. Like, I don't understand it. Well, if you want to take a close look, see if you can see what's going on. I'm good. I'm good, buddy. Good. All right. (laughs) Trying to share. Just trying to share. Um, TMI. What what about you? You got any uh, good uh, get off my lawns going right now? I don't. I don't have none. Um, well, I mean, I, it's always the same shit, man. It's like, I've got more people going to concerts. It's people. I mine's just people. Yeah. You go to concerts and people don't know how to park and they don't know where they're going and they don't have their ticket ready and they don't, you know, they, oh, well, you know, I mean, I'm sick of the not having a, a, a ticket, yeah. a paper ticket. I'm sick of that. I'm sick of the whole, I have to have a digital download of my thing that I have to have a special app for and then put it in my wallet in order for it to work. And then you can't find it and you can't download it because they said you already downloaded it, but you can't find it anywhere. It's not, you know what I mean? Like, Mm. can't I just have a paper ticket printed out and show it to you? It'd be so much easier. Like, I, I just don't get that at all. It's driving me crazy. So it keeps me from wanting to go to shows. (laughs) <laughs> i'm with you me, you know i'm with you and start on time for crying out loud yeah That's unless unless i'm running late yeah um <laughs> all right let's see i've got uh i've got some here all right this is one that i'm sure we've all dealt with we've all dealt with this and it, it's it's there's nothing we can do about it but it bothers everybody i'm sure so i'm just gonna point it out and never touch on it again when you take a cookie yeah. or a pop tart and you dip it in your milk, right? You've ever, For those of you that yeah, do that, I'm sure lots of people did. You ever dip Oreos in milk? You know, what I mean, come on, you know. Not a dipper, but I'm not get, a dipper. I get it. I'm, I'm a, a dipper. dipper, so I like to dip a, a, a chocolate chip cookie, or I like to dip a pop tart, a toasted okay. pop tart, okay. and you put it in there just a little too long, and it breaks off, and it right, and then it sinks, right. <laughs> just makes me sad <laughs> and then it's gross by the time you get to the bottom of the milk and the sludge comes out but you still eat yeah. it you, you still, still eat it? it oh yeah i was gonna ask you if you, still you gotta it. eat it all right it's just a little too sludgy but it still tastes good all right it's That's more it. like a milkshake like a pop-tart milkshake yeah, right at that point. a little bit okay by the way uh so you know once a year i do that fair video nay and yeah. i go to the fair and we eat shitty food and, oh, speaking of which, I say her name and she walks in the room. Where are you going, babe? Hi, Nay. Going hiking? Mm-hmm. Okay, you can leave it open now as long as the rumba's off. Yeah, it is. Okay. Oh, whoa, whoa. Hi, happy birthday. 
Hi, thank you. <laughs> um, oh, what I was going to get at is, uh, and I told her about this too, is uh, every time we put up one of these videos, it's like, I think I think it's done like they th they think it's a jab or they think it's I don't know what but ev there's always a few oh your pr your daughter's pretty nah. <laughs> it's like and they're being they're trying to be funny they're trying to be funny none of them right. I, you can yeah. tell none of them are, are well one person really tried I hope I'm not out of line I hope she's your daughter kind of thing or whatever you know uh -huh. it's like no come uh -huh. on fuck off right. I mean uh -huh. You see us together. You, you really yeah. think this is a, a fun, yeah. first off, she's like nothing like me, right? right. You know, oh yeah, this is my uh, adopted daughter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that's but, really gross. Yeah, but at the same, it's like. I that's mean, a that's a get off my lawn for me. People that think they're being funny and they're not funny at all. Like a good yeah. example, I, I posted a, a design recently that I did for the Unmasked Myers. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw the that. Amount, the amount of dumbass comments I got from people just being mean and being just jerks. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't need your opinion. I didn't ask your opinion on the Halloween tr trilogy. Mm -hmm. I didn't ask your opinion on the on the look of this. I mean, I should turn my comments off. Stephanie always goes, just turn your comments off. Nah. But some people are nice. Like a lot of most people are nice. But then you get a big group of people that have to have their comments, you know, like this movie fucking sucked. You suck. Everything sucks. You're, you know, it was a piece of shit. This looks like Jason. You know, that was no. a good one. I kept it that. You know, so, <laughs> keep your, keep your opinion to yourself. You know what? Your, your shitty opinion. Yeah. You got something nice to say. Great. Otherwise shut the fuck up. Yeah. I just, I just kind of block and Sorry. delete them. So I, <laughs> it's I a do. lot of work. That's a lot uh, of work to block. It's easy. <laughs> it's really, I've gotten good at it. Click, click, bye. Like right. I, I, I did one yesterday. I posted a happy birthday thing to you, right? On Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, Somebody absolutely. commented, uh, does nothing about your birthday. Just, Hey man, uh, something about, uh, you really got to charge so much for a freaking bus tour. You should just do it yourself <laughs> and save the money. And it's like, First off, this has nothing to do with the bus tours. Is Chris's right. birthday? It's like, right. and it's sold out in like the whole thing sold out in like a couple hours. So, right, uh, don't be bitter just because you can't afford it, douchebag. Right. And and number two, it's fucking luxury coach buses with bathrooms, super nice air condition. It's a right. eight to nine hour tour. It's actually pretty reasonably priced. So. Right. I mean, yeah, if you want to take all day and drive around L.A., drive your ass around L.A. and yeah. find the shit yourself, boom, have at it. it. Don't vent on my birthday post. Don't yeah. vent about something non-related on my birthday post. I mean, yeah, people have been <laughs> freaking out about the Ozzy Osbourne announcement and the mm. and the ticketing and the prices and everything. Yet mm. they're selling like crazy, but there's mm. a lot of people bet, you know, mad about how it's being done. It's like you know what? It is what it is. If you don't it want it, it, you can don't live it. without it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's not a necessity food, shelter, clothing, necessity, meeting Ozzy Osbourne, not. So, so calm don't down. do it. Calm down. So I got a letter from a, a Michelle Trowbridge, who's a big fan. And she just wanted to say that she enjoys our podcast and she's a big fan of Halloween and child's play, which, so oh. this ties into our episode today. 
Awesome. Thank you. That's Michelle. literally all she said. All yeah. right. Yeah. Well, thank but you, she Michelle. Sent very a letter nice to you. say that. And thank you, Michelle. We appreciate you. And I'm going to send you. you some stickers and stuff because I'm that kind of guy. Awesome. Um, I got a pretty cool little gift this weekend. <clears throat> oh, did you? So a guy named Jason Critter, Crider, Crider, uh, brought me this little gift. He made his own little certificate of authenticity here. Oh, look at that. What it is, it's a piece of the actual road from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Huh. I mean, it, it's the road? dirt and everything. It's got dirt in there and everything. Oh, and it, <laughs> look at that. Texas Tough uh, friggin' um, you know, Ziploc. Ziploc bag. Yeah, but it's it's I, I kind of don't want to take it out because it's there's a lot of dirt rattling around in here, but I will I will just for you, Jason, since you're kind enough <laughs> to bring it. Look at that. Apparently, it's a piece of the asphalt from the original Chainsaw Road. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. What did you do? You take know, a jackhammer know, to that fucking thing? He must have. You know what's crazy is lately a lot of fans have been bringing me pieces of various. Set. Thing. locations <laughs> yeah i mean i got you know a dude gave i mean yeah they're starting to pile up um interesting yeah i mean it's it's it i mean it's cool it's cool yeah. but at the same yeah. time you know he could have taken this out of his front yard i don't know <laughs> you know That's true. But, but i'm gonna trust him <laughs> that he's legit um i'm gonna start doing that this is dirt from star wars dude there's people that are grabbing bricks from the Halloween three factory, you know, and oh, selling really? those online. Oh my God. Know? Jesus. Well, right. because, I mean, it's, you know, the, you know it's because of you nerds, nerds, <laughs> nerds. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there's that. Um, another dude sent me, I don't have, let's see, what was his name? Uh, he goes by caskets he sent me this print his name is uh jerome caskets sent me this cool twilight zone print that he oh, did cool ah he knows i'm a big twilight zone fan almost looks like that could be me watching right there you know, that's right the hair a little nice. spike here on the front did you that's just yawn while i'm showing you stuff i did uncool uh you got quite a, a cool gift oh i did you, you did i'm excited to find out you, you uh, wait till I bring this to your house. Is it dirt from? Uh... It is ball <laughs> cream. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> let's see. So this is said, uh, I started to learn the art of sculpting, molding oh. and painting about three years ago, oh. about the same time you started your podcast as a collector first. I'm just now getting to the point where I am not completely embarrassed of the stuff I make. Anyway, I spend a lot of time watching your podcast while sculpting and thought I would send you a carry. Most wow. of the stuff I learn is by watching YouTube, so I don't think I'm the first to make this bust, but it was a fun character either way. Thanks for the amazing content and look forward to seeing many more episodes. Congrats on the three-year podcast anniversary. And he put, oh, the eyes are adjustable just in case they shift in shipping. Jason Chandler. Now, Jason Chandler. I read this note before I was I took it out to look at it. Right, right. Now, I'm going to say, oh, wow, I got some fucking 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre dirt on my keyboard. Great. Oh, yeah. Better put yeah. that in a bag. Yeah. Does anybody want some flakes from the... Jesus. All right. So, anyway, um, I was dreading pulling this thing out because <laughs> <laughs> a bust of Sissy Spacek as Carrie yeah. is a... For a beginner, is a pretty uh, ambitious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised. All right. Is it dead on? No. Right. But for a guy that's been sculpting three years, I, it, I'm impressed. But let me All go right. get it. Is All it, right. It's in the garage. Hold on. I'm excited. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm so excited. Thank you, Jason. Before I see it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Ready for That's... the reveal. Hold on. I'm so ready. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I've seen this this on Instagram. No. It's pretty... that... That's a different guy. Oh, it's a different I, guy? I the, the guy you're talking about is the guy that did my Barlow. Oh, Okay. But wow, the, that's really good. It, I think wow. he did a great job, for, especially for. I mean, the likeness is slightly off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll but tell you no. what, way better than I could ever do. That's for damn sure. Oh my god, yeah, I'm super impressed. Wow, only three years doing, yeah. making stuff. Good job, buddy. Good yeah. job, Jason. Right, Jason. Jason. Jason Chandler. Here's yeah. his. Uh, for anybody interested in checking this stuff out, uh, reanimated design, uh, a reanimated resin at reanimated resin. Nice. Yeah. Good job. I think it's super cool. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. Woohoo. Woo wow. Great job, dude. Keep up the good work. Keep, keep going. Keep going. And I think might have one more. Dear Chris and Sean. Been a fan of the show since the beginning. There are times I want to get a question, get a question in, but I'm always nervous. I'm currently working on it. You guys, along with Joe Bob Briggs and Darcy the Mail Girl, have been the big a big reason for me to keep going through life, even when I didn't want to continue. Wow. Growing up in a house where your parents are religious doesn't always go well with my love of horror. So all, <laughs> so all four of you are a big reason why I'm still here. I will never be able to repay you guys for that, but I hope this is a start. It would be great to have Joe, Bob, and Darcy as guests on the show. You guys can honestly have a whole episode of Get Off My Lawns, and I would pay <laughs> to see that. Chris, your Kills mask has surpassed the original Myers mask for me and became my absolute favorite. It's wow. such a mean looking mask. One of my favorite quotes from Chris is, I can't hear you because I don't have my ear movies in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't remember saying that, but okay. <laughs> I'm sure you said that to be a dick to me. Uh, yeah. That made me laugh hysterically. And what made it better was Sean's face while there Chris was getting ready. Ha ha. Oh, that was one of the beginning of one of the show. I'm talking and you hadn't put your. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. If you put that quote on a shirt, I, I would buy it in a heartbeat. I met you both at Flashback Weekend, but 
in different, uh, but different years. Sean kept escaping Chris's table when I met Chris back in 2021. I finally met Sean the following year. You both were highlights for me. I'm hoping Chris gets announced for this year's show as he's not announced as I'm typing this letter. Well, it just happened. So, yeah, but we're talking about bringing him next year already. So um, I would really love to do a photo op the both of you doing one of Chris's funny faces. <laughs> I like the ones I posted on Instagram yesterday. Right. Um, Sean, I hope I get a chance to say hi. I know you'll be busy, so I won't go past that. Ha ha. I'll be repping my thing with two heads shirt on one of the three days during flashback weekend. Uh, maybe I, I saw him that weekend and uh, mm. I, you know, I didn't put two and two together. Sean gained a new level of respect for me. The amount of work and shit you go through to help cons happen is something I've never thought of. And I'm glad you shared that insight with all of us. I hope you and Chris enjoy these flannels. Oh, he's the guy that brought the bought the gave us the oh, flannels. Okay. I did I did see him at the at the show. I talked to him and I okay. and he, he, super cool guy. I told I can envision his face now. Now that I know who this is from, I, I had this sitting here for a while. I hadn't reread it before the show okay. um, from middle of beyond on Instagram. Chris, I got you the creep show flannel and Sean, I got you the hotel shining flannel. I'm hoping they fit. And if they don't, I apologize. I'll do my best to make it right. Uh, mine fit perfect. I told him that when I met him. Uh, have you put yours on yet? I haven't tried mine on yet. Uh, it has been rather hot. It's not flannel weather. It's right not now. flannel weather. It's about 90 degrees, but thank you. Hopefully I'll be <laughs> rocking mine in December. That's right. Uh, again, thank you both for everything you've done for this community and everything you'll do in the future. You guys mean a lot to me more than you'll ever know. Thank you. Or sincerely, Cesar Hernandez. So, wow. Anyway, I know it was a long-winded uh uh, letter but i i remember it's reading beautiful. it and being very touched by it and i wanted to share it with everybody and we yeah. appreciate you guys so much i mean we do all the people that come up to the to me at the shows you know even though i say i get overwhelmed at times um i appreciate all of it i mean it's the fact that you guys will sit here and spend two hours to watch us just babble <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, amazing amazing does blow my mind um yeah. and but thank you caesar thank you so much yeah. that was uh very sweet thank you for the shirt i did get it i can't wait to wear it when it gets cooler and uh hang in there man i know things can get rough sometimes with the crazy world that's out there i know you can get flugy but don't let it get to you don't yeah. let it get to you you're better than that you're better than that you're better than the gap you're better than that <laughs> Uh, and just do your thing, man. Hang in there. You like horror, like horror. You like our show, like our show. Like whatever the hell you want. Man. And, uh, and hang in there, man. You'll be all right. We're man. all we're all we're all in the same boat together, man. We're all doing the same fucking thing, just trying to get by. So yeah. thank you for that. That was really sweet. I mean, I'm still fighting against paper straws, you know, but I'm still here. Yep. Yep. You know? Still wants to pay cash for everything. He's I still do. here. He's I still do. doing it. You know? He's still putting cream on his fucking testicles. He's still here. That's right. He's still here. I did it during it. one of our breaks. That's right. I'm so <laughs> excited that I, I, I can't I'm I can't unhear that. That's awesome. <laughs> oh well, I think we got to bring in our guest now. Oh boy. I'm reaching out to him right now. Let's he'll see when he jumps on here. See if I got anything else before something tells me he's gonna be 
he's not going to jump on as quick as everybody else. Um, oh, hold up. What happened here? Okay. Oh, there you go. Hold on. Nope, that isn't him. Um, what else do I got? What else do you got? Okay, here's a get off my lawn. When you see a news article on social media and it and you click on it, it takes you to the news article, it shows it to you for a couple seconds, then and then blocks it and hits you up to pay a subscription. Yeah. yeah Enough of that shit. One. Nobody's gonna one. buy your goddamn subscription. All you did was just piss us off. And, and now I'm never gonna click on you again. Yeah. And and it's never like the New York Times or whatever making the post. It's always somebody posting it. It's like, don't bother posting that shit, man. If we can't see it, we ain't going to fucking join their thing. Good God. Um, okay, here's another one. Uh, all this shoplifting that's going on, this crazy shit is getting out of control right now. I was unaware that that is happening. Are, are you living shoplifting? in a Dude, people shoplifting. That's a thing still. No, dude, it's gotten out of control. There's mobs of people running into stores, grabbing everything and running out. It's happening. Look at the news, dude. It's happening all over. It just happened at West Hills Mall um, or Westgate Mall. All right. So, yeah, no, it's getting crazy. Like they they come in full wearing like they wear like ski masks and they just run in. You haven't seen this. It's been happening all over. Oh my God! Like happening to little stores everywhere, it's it's getting it's getting crazy, and it's gotten to the a nationwide thing. Nationwide, nationwide. I went to my grocery store last night, and they had a an area barricaded where you used to be able to just walk in. I'm like, what the fuck? And I asked the manager last night. I said, "Are you guys having problems with shoplifting and stuff?" He goes, "Dude, it's out of control." He goes, "People will just walk in like normal walk in." fill up bags and just walk out and and nobody's you know nobody wants to try to stop them because then they get sued if they assault them or you know it's like an insane thing that's happening right now and it's getting so bad man they need to get you know what you want to end this shit start fucking taking these guys and hacking a fucking finger off every time they get busted for shoplifting (laughs) watch how quickly that shit ends seriously (laughs) the tom holland's here Let's do it. All right. The Tom Holland is here. Very exciting. Bopping in. Living the dream. Oops. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we made it. We made it. Amazing. You know, I mean, I've also been working my butt off the uh, because I'm putting together a book on the creation of Psycho 2. Ah. And yeah, oh. and I yeah, and I'm really I well what happened was and this is interesting to me anyway. I got from Australia through a, a very good documentary maker named Mark Hartley. Uh down there I was told that Richard Franklin wrote his memoirs like an autobiography as he was dying of prostate cancer and both he and, and his widow and his, his wife were friends of both my wife and i and whenever they came through la they'd stop and we'd talk and i didn't but i didn't know he'd written about about his experiences and the best chunk of the memoirs i thought was on psycho 2 and mm. all of a sudden like 40 years later, because Psycho 2 exploded 
this summer on its 40th anniversary. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, it's really been rediscovered. And I didn't realize the depth of the, of, 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 or the intelligence of the fans. And apparently they mentioned it in scream seven, you know, that, that, that the, what's the, 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 the greatest horror sequel ever done that nobody knows about. And the other guy said psycho too. So anyway, so I'm 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 reading Richard's memories that he wrote as he was passing, which is really like, you know, oh my gosh. And it brought back everything that I experienced 40 years ago in in the writing of of of, of that in the creation. And then I, I thought, well, there are a lot of people who would love this. This isn't the psycho two is not like uh it's not like this, you yeah. know. I mean I mean, uh, this was a, a killer doll movie like never done before. And of course, it's it's set up a whole genre now. But Psycho 2 was a serious movie yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it certainly was for Richard Franklin. And, and if you want to see how talented he was or he, or he was, go look at Rogue Games, which he did just before, you know, before we, we went to work on Psycho 2. And mm. by by the by the grace of God, he chose me to write it. And I was I can't tell you I was in the greatest economic position in the world. I think I was like 37 or 38 years old. But I finally, after years, got my first movie produced by United Artists, The Beast Within. Mm-hmm. And it was the last movie <laughs> that United Artists released as it was buried in the wreckage of uh of the Michael Cimino movie, you know the one that bankrupted the the, the company. Uh, bu- 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 Heaven's Gate, remember. huh? Was it Heaven's, Heaven's Gate? Gate? Heaven's Gate, yes, Heaven's yeah. Gate. So and then, and then I sat for like a year unemployed. You know, I because nobody knew about it. it. Made money, by the way. Uh, Beast Within. But I love Beast Within. I saw it at too. the Highway 39 drive-in on Beach Boulevard. My yeah. parents took me. <laughs> me too. Freaked well, me out. I- <laughs> well it's a it's a terrific script but like if i say so myself but i mean like <laughs> like so much of what i was doing then it started with initiation of sarah a tv movie but i was doing body transformations before they could do them mm. you know so i mean like some if somebody now remade the beast within i think it would be absolutely phenomenal because it was built on 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 the boy turning into the beast yeah. You know, at the end of the movie, but they didn't have, they technically didn't have the, it was only air bladders at the time. Which I'm sort trying of, to remember who did that. Was that Craig? Reardon? Tom Berman. Oh, Tom Berman. Tom Berman. Tom, Tom Berman. Berman. Yeah. Tom Berman. Yeah. I, I, I thought did a terrific job when I saw mm. his mank, his, yeah. his, his, his models, but then Philippe, uh, uh, Philippe, uh, the director, Philippe Moreau, Philippe, I can't remember right now. Mm. The, the, he slathered the beast in blood so you couldn't see all the, the detail work that Tom Berman did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I mean, if this, this is such a business. Anyway, like, because nobody knew that it made money, which is usually the, 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 the way they rate things in Hollywood, I didn't have a job. And then suddenly out of nowhere, I, I got asked in for a meeting because Richard had fallen in love with one of my specs. Richard Franklin had fallen in love with a spec script called Crystal Tower, which has never been made, but I got very close with Corelco. Anyway, 
the 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 I I went nobody wanted to do it. No director wanted to do it and no writer wanted to do it because everybody who was established figured it was a career ender. You know, I mean I mean having the temerity. Pardon me? Psycho two? Psycho so too, yeah, okay. because it was having the tem- temerity to, to 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 do a sequel to what was then considered <laughs> a classic, which was Psycho. Psycho and my was a classic to me too, yeah. because that was the begin. That was the first slasher movie. Okay, yeah. Hitchcock, this 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 little huge bulbous man, did <laughs> this brilliant brilliant terrifying movie, which changed the horror genre. And you have to be of a certain age, you know, like uh, to, to to realize this. And and I I badly needed the job, and every and Richard Richard was in, needed the job too. But he was he was a mad Hitchcock fan from the time he'd been at USC. So anyway, I'm 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 reading his memories of it, and it brought back my memories. And I said to myself, well, wouldn't it be fascinating? If 40 years later, you had the director's memory of, of the creation of Psycho 2 and the writer, which are obviously, yes, they'll be in accord in a lot of ways, but also very different in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And and then I got uh, then Andrew London, the editor of Psycho 2. He and I are the only two left uh, that I know of that were that were that were deeply involved with 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 the movie. Uh I thought it'd just be great to, to to put it down in in some kind of narrative form, and I had all these photos. And then through Andrew London, I got hold of Richard's production script, which was all that Andrew London had kept all these years, but he had kept it, and that included storyboards and schedules and call sheets, and I mean, so I've been putting that together. And then I got to, I mean, I've been working on it for like three months. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're trying to do a good job, it really isn't easy. This isn't just a picture book and some, you know, quick way about the making of it. It's trying to really plummet the issues that we were dealing with because we didn't have, it started out as a cable movie and we didn't have Tony Perkins. Mm -hmm. And without Tony Perkins, there was no theatrical, no chance of a theatrical release. So I had to write a script that was so appealing to to the actor that mm. he would commit to do it. And this is after he had turned it down several times. Mm. And so I, I, I'm writing that experience. And then I then I got hold of uh, 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 of I needed an afterward. And I kept thinking, well, who would know? And then I thought about Anthony. I thought about the Bates Motel. So I have the, the producer and and, and and writer, a part writer of that, Anthony. Uh, oh, God, I'm sorry. It's an Italian last name. Anyway, he knows as much about Psycho 2 as, as I do and Psycho and all of that because he produced the ba- 50 episodes of the Bait Motel, Bates Motel. Right. Oh, wow. And he's writing that right now. And I just got I just got the widow, the widow yesterday read it and she gave me the go-ahead she was happy with what i had done because a lot of this is for is about preserving richard's memory he Mm -hmm. passed in 2007 Mm -hmm. and i don't think of 
a lot of, very, very few people remember him except me and Tarantino. Tarantino, yeah. yeah, Tarantino, you know, thought that Road Games was like, you know, the best Aussie movie ever. And I ran that again, just like the last week or so. And I hadn't looked at that in 40 years. And damn, it's terrific. The ending, I thought, was a little weak, like the last two or three minutes. It, it, it could have used more of a bang, but that's me. But otherwise, you look at the way he shot it and the camera moves and the reveals and where, how he was ratcheting up tension. And Stacey Keach is terrific also. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so it's been a, it's been three or four, three months anyway, of a rediscovery of 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 a career changing event in my life from 40 years ago, because the success of Psycho 2 opened up a whole new world to me and gave me the opportunity to to direct. And all of a sudden I was working and really making some money for a change, which is, you know, I don't know. I don't know. There's a. If you get the 40 and you're not making any money, it gets a little scary and you start <laughs> you start wondering about your career choices, you know, and that, that was so worth. Anyway, that's what I've been doing. How are you guys? <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing great. Hi, Tom. My name's Chris. Uh, it's, uh, uh, I'm not sure if we've met before, but uh, it's wonderful to have you on the show. And I'm so glad that you just went into Psycho, too, because that's one of my biggest I mean, just to stay on that subject, one of my favorite movies, and and I agree, uh, one of the most underrated films, just period, let alone sequels. Uh, and I think, it, oddly enough, it was funny when I first saw it, when it first came out, I was so excited and I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. And had so many questions <laughs> back in that day. But then... Years later, I was I was actually at a Quentin Tarantino film festival. He he used to have his own film festival in Austin, Texas, at the at the Alamo Draft Draft House. And I went one year, and we were sitting together, and I asked him, "What are we watching tonight?" And Psycho Two was one of them, and he was it was one of his favorite movies, and he was so excited to you know to revisit it, and we watched it, um, Quentin and I, and of course a big group of people. And we and boy, did it go over so well and we loved it so much. And we talked at nausea about how great the movie is. And he's a huge fan of it. I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, and I could talk about Psycho, too, all, all damn night. <laughs> so. Well, Chris, thank you. And I love I love the room you're sitting in. You're oh, thanks. <laughs> it's my little shop. Yeah, thank yeah, you. <laughs> it doesn't look that little. <laughs> it is little. <laughs> Psych- Psycho, too. You know, everybody told us it would, the, the critics were going to savage us for having the temerity to do it mm-hmm. and that it would be a career ender. And, uh, you know, so it, it was a, it was a huge challenge that went beyond usually what to go through, you know. Mm-hmm. And and then, my gosh, it worked, you know, yeah. I mean, at the previews and all of a sudden, Bob Ramey who was then head of the studio. We were at a preview in, in, in Century City at, at the theater there. I think it was an ABC theater. I forget. A huge double, huge with balcony and everything. And the results were terrific and the audience loved it. Mm-hmm. And he turned to me and said, okay, what's, what's the first film you're going to direct? <laughs> you know, and this was after, after not being able to get a job for a year. Right. 
you know so i mean that was that was the beginning of 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 of, of psycho 2 opened up the world to me and and, yeah. and and then i thought chris i thought it was forgotten it was the second it was the biggest movie that that universal had that year yeah. and they made it for something we made it for a, a few dollars under five million wow everything was on the back lot except for one shot which was in the graveyard and uh the the uh it made something i forget before it was through it made something like 90 million worldwide wow. and and it, it, the reviews were shockingly good because everybody was blown away because they expected it to be god awful mm -hmm. and and it, it was the second biggest movie in the summer of 1982 after the first Star Wars sequel. Okay, that's how big it was. Wow. And then it seemed like people forgot it. You mm. know, I mean, I mean, I didn't, I mean, I didn't think about it. The 80, 90, mm. it was only in maybe into the 2000s, 2010 or something before I started to realize that, that, that there was fans out there of Psycho 2. Mm -hmm. And then it, it seems now like the last 10 years or so, Chris and, and Sean too, it, it's growing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, so I'm hoping there's an audience for the book when I, when I, when, when we get ready to get it out. Oh God, there will be. That's for we've sure. Been, we've been, we've been serious about it, Chris. This isn't like, you know, of, of just a photo book of pictures. Right. Yeah. This, this is the people involved talking. It's been very, well, very moving too. I can't wait to, to to read it i can and and i was always curious of how you how a writer would approach sequelizing psycho i mean how do you even i mean i know you have to do it as a fan first and foremost you know you go into it going look well i'm such a huge fan and i want to respect the original i'm sure that's what you did and to a certain point but how do you even where do you even start as 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 a writer to go, all right, I'm going to sequelize one of the most iconic classic things <laughs> in cinema history. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I'll give credit where credit is due. Robert Block, who wrote the the first novel Psycho One, mm. had written the novel Psycho Two, oh. which he had the rights to do that. But he didn't have any movie or TV rights or anything. Universal held all that from doing the first one. And he had a brilliant idea bringing Norman back after 22 years. So that and Richard loved that idea. And I love that, too. It gave me a, you know, it, it it meant that I could get to Tony Perkins and have the 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 age, the 22 years that had elapsed would would explain why he looked older right. and I knew that I had to get Tony to get to play Norman. Right. So that, that helped that. But then, then block turned around and I think in, in, in his psycho two book, he like, he killed Norman base, like in 10 or page 10 or page 20 or something. And so universal absolutely hated it. And we weren't too thrilled with it either. We never, I never universal would not let us read it for fear of getting sued by Robert block. Hmm. Hmm. But anyway, the, uh, so we had 22 years later, and I I think Richard had the idea that he that 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 Tony was coming out of the institution hypothetically cured, and one of the things that had made Psycho the original so 
so compelling and so frightening was that you identified with an insane serial murderer because you felt sorry for him, because you understood somehow, even if, even if there was no explanation, you knew his mother had driven him to that. Right. And so that that gave me a, 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 an end to a, to a story that I could create. And I needed, I needed a very, very strong character arc to get Tony to say yes. Because no matter, Tony had a very ambivalent relationship with Norman. Mm. You know, he'd been a young, almost romantic lead until, until he did Psycho. Mm. He, did, he had no idea what was that. And he felt like it had, it had ruined his career in a sense because it, it, it pigeonholed him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's that old saying in Hollywood: mm-hmm. "Be careful what you first succeed at, because they'll never let you do anything else." Yeah, he was too and, good at it. He was too good in that role. <laughs> well, oh gosh, was he good? Yeah, I could go on and on about him. He was, yeah. he was an, he was an, probably one of the most intelligent and certainly best educated in film actors that I'd ever known. Mm. He played trivia with with Stephen Sondheim, if you can, if you can imagine that. That's wow. how that 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 film they did together, the something of Sheila, mm-hmm. about on on the on the boat. Stephen and Tony wrote that, but that that's that was their playing, their playing of uh, trivia that, that <laughs> brought that up, and it was just a fascinating. I forgot. I, I I knew all of this, but I had forgotten all of it, and I've been reliving it again for the last several months. Yeah. Well, I want you to relive a little more because we have some fan questions and quite a few of them are Psycho 2 related. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then we can talk oh. about, we've got to talk about Fright Night, too, because Fright of Night course. is another well, another movie that is... There's that a is lot of Fright Night questions. ...considered an iconic classic that, that, Chris, that Chris, slowly grew. But anyway, sorry. I no, no, Chris, yeah. Sean, I have to tell you, this is a wonderful time in my life. This is totally unexpected by me. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, you're out, you're through. And when I came into the business, you were just, just hitting your stride at 50. Now you're done at 50 in the business, yeah. you know? And so all of a sudden here I am. And I, I don't want to tell you, I just had my, a big birthday on July 11th. And I, part of me doesn't want to tell you how old I am, but then <laughs> everybody knows I turned 80 on July 11th. Congratulations. And thank you. I'm glad that I made it this far. <laughs> the, well, because so many, so many people haven't. I've lost so many contemporaries and friends, if you think about it. Yeah. Toby Hooper was a good friend. Yeah. You know, I, I talked to him four or five days before, and then he was he was watching AMC and apparently had a massive heart attack and never woke up. But at least he was going out with classic movies, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, you know, and then, uh, 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 Romero, George Romero. I knew from a preview of of Fright Night at the Sitges Film Festival where they celebrated it, and that's where I met him. And that's probably like 1985, 84, 85. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Wes Craven. I went in for a meeting with Wes on doing uh, 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 Freddy, uh, whatever it is, two or three, I forget. 
and I can't remember why it didn't work out. I, I have a feeling why it didn't work out. I, everybody around me was telling me that I couldn't do horror again after the success of Fright Night because I would be typed. Nobody said to me, hey, what do you love? love? Oh, go do that. You know, that, that's sort of what happened. But I mean, I, I had all this pressure from all these people, you know, agents and, and, and people who were in the academy and everything to do something out of the genre. So, of course, I did Fatal Beauty with Whoopi Goldberg, which nobody ever asked me about. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, let's let's start with one here. Let's start with. uh, Oh, by the way, since we were on the subject there, did you did you know uh, were you friends at all with uh, Friedkin who just passed? No, but I, I spent my freshman year at Northwestern University in the theater school with a young girl called Sherry Lansing. Mm. So I've known Sherry since I was 18 or 19. But then, uh, but I tell you, when she got married to Billy, she sort of went away. You know, I don't know. Mm. Well, let's see. We're going to start. Let's start with a psycho. I worked, I worked with Bill Butler on child's play Mm -hmm. and Bill Butler started out in Chicago at a television station with, with, uh, Freaking, freaking, yeah, yeah. Mm. And Bill, Bill died at three days shy of a hundred and one, and freaking wow. died at eighty-seven. Yeah. So, so think of, so think about that. And Bill was, Bill was wondering at ninety-nine, he was wondering why he wasn't working. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, first question. This is from behind the screen. 26 you know they have these weird screen names so don't don't know their real names sometimes uh do you have any memorable moments of from working with uh, tony perkins on psycho 2 yes <laughs> yes <laughs> back then we played we played a trivia game uh you'd name a movie i'd name a star then the other guy would name a movie that star was in and that way so tony and i were doing that in between takes and he finally said this is getting boring let let let's do it, but let's extend it to cinematographers, production designers, and uh, and cameramen. Wow! And I went like, uh, you know. <laughs> but that was that was how deep his knowledge was of film, and I was really impressed. The uh, he was a brilliant actor. He he was he was influenced by the European films. He yeah. had a a kind of a, 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 pre, a snobbishness about film that you only get in New York City by going to revival houses. So he was he was not strong narratively, but he was strong in 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 the emotional life of of the character, meaning Norman. And in discussions with with him, I wrote the uh, the grilled cheese scene with him and Meg Tilly in Psycho 2 because Norman wanted to have that moment of vulnerability and 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 love between the two of them because so much of that script depended on Meg Tilly was cast because she was young and innocent and Richard and I both believed that Tony would take her into the psycho house never suspecting anything untoward about her at all and uh, that's that that turned into a love affair, and in, in the sense that he was 
falling in love with her. I don't mean sexually at all. I just mean caring about her. And she, who of course was Lila, Lila Loomis, is the Loomis of Lila, whatever, uh, Janet Lee's sister, uh, Vera Miles, was of course her mother, which we didn't know at the time as, as the viewers of the film. And so she started to care for Norman too and started to feel guilty about what she and her mother were doing, which was trying to drive him insane. And the character arc, which I give myself credit for, he comes out of the institution desperately trying to hold on to his sanity, which he has regained at least partially or a lot of. And then, of course, you have you have the vengeful sister of, of, of the woman he murdered, Janet Lee, trying to drive him insane again. So Tony's character arc is trying to hold on to his sanity as all these pressures very slowly drive him totally insane again. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the movie, when he uses that shovel and kills his, his real biological mother, he is totally mad. And it's the first killing that Norman Bates does in the entire movie. Mm -hmm. And that gave, that's a hell of a, a hell of a character arc for him to play. And that seduced him into saying, yes, uh, he knew he could play it, Chris and Sean. Yeah. 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 Well, I can't look at a I can't look at a, a grilled cheese sandwich on a menu or period without thinking of Psycho too. Just so you know, and you called it a toasted cheese sandwich, by the way. Did I call <laughs> it toasted cheese? Toasted cheese sandwich. That was because Richard's Richard said toasted, not grilled, because in Australia they call them toasted cheese toasted. sandwiches. Yeah. That's how. Um, let's see. Bre Breaking Bish 3819 said, what film did you enjoy filming the most and which was the most difficult? Well, I had a wonderful time with Fright Night and I think it's all all over the screen. You can tell. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I had I had I had huge support from the studio, from uh, Guy McElwain, who headed the studio and uh, 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 uh Jerry Barowitz was my line producer, no longer with us, but absolutely wonderful. And uh, I'm now I'm forgetting the head of production at the time, but he, what happened was I inherited the entire Ghostbusters effects crew, the best Boss, in yeah, Hollywood, Boss the films. best in Hollywood. Yeah, and that was... that was because they wanted they'd done Ghostbusters and and Columbia wanted to keep them on board for the sequel, which they expected to do very quickly and didn't come around for 20 years after that. Mm -hmm. But so I had, I had the best in the business. I had Steve Johnson. I had uh, Randy cook. Uh, I had Richard Edlin doing the, doing the, doing the, doing the, the, the visuals. It was really incredible. And I had written it, but I had no idea how to do that, how to get that on screen. But what I did know was I knew how to work with actors. And we rehearsed that for two weeks solid. And those actors, because nobody was a star except for Chris, I guess, demanded money, making it prohibitively expensive, which is what happens now so much. So you very, very seldom get a chance to rehearse with actors. But we rehearsed mm -hmm. the hell out of Bright Night. And every actor knew what he was doing, knew their blocking. And they knew where the laughs were, too. Because I was mixing comedy, which which hadn't been done successfully. I got Love at First Bite was before Fright Night, but it was it was farce, and mm -hmm. farce usually means the exhaustion of a genre. Mm -hmm. 
I hope um, that answers the question. Oh yeah. Um, let's see. I had a couple people asked different versions of this question. Uh, that I'll deal with this one. TCE author said, "Question for Tom: Are you at all a fan of Fright Night Two or no? And and uh, how did you feel about it? And were well, you and were you ever involved at any point with directing it? No, I I was working on something else. Columbia was going to do the the sequel, and then they got a very pretentious English." Uh, producer and they, 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 Ray Stark forced Guy Malcolm out. I don't know why or with the politics. And they brought in this guy from England who was the one who had de- who decided for decades what director worked in England. And uh, uh, Ridley Scott talks about him. It's, it's a well known name, but I can't remember now. But he was very pretentious, unless mm. it wasn't something like, uh, the film uh, Evangelis's film where they're all running the English, unless it wasn't a, 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 a possible Academy Award nominee, he didn't want to do it, and he looked down on horror. Not Chariots and, of Fire? That what you're yes, Chariots of Fire. Whoever produced that, this was the guy. Hmm. So he, he took he took away the 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 chance to do to do to do to do Fright Night Two at, at Columbia, and so I went off and took another job, and then. Herb, Herb, uh, b- b- Herb, the Herb, the the producer. I'll think of it in a minute. Uh, got the money through Gabe Casca. Gabe Casca was also the money man behind the Beast Within, and they got Tommy Lee Wallace. And I've always liked Tommy and respected Tommy. And Tommy and I met, and he told me what he was thinking of, and I said, "Go and God bless." And they started to do it. And halfway or three quarters of the way through, Gabe Casca died. And with his passing, the money went. Herb Jaffe. Herb Jaffe produced Fright Night 1 and Fright, and, and also Fright Night 2. And Herb, Herb didn't have the, uh, didn't have the, 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 the contacts for independent money that, uh, that Gabe Casca had. So what happened, and I, I, I don't think I've ever discussed this with Tommy, but I have was I had I did with with uh, with uh, Roddy McDowell, who knew more about the business than any of us will ever know or forget or anything else. And Roddy said that they ran out of money in the in the in the third act in the close, and so they didn't they 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 burned up uh, the wonderful female vampire who's lovely and her she and her husband are friends, Julie Carmen. Yeah, Julie Carmen, and. They burned her up, and they it burned too fast. Something was wrong with the timing of it, so they didn't get the flail. It didn't have the the, the visual impact it should have. They didn't have the money for a second taken to recreate the the burning, and mm-hmm. that's what was going on at the end. So you can feel you can feel I can anyway. I can feel the film production wise diminishing as it gets towards the end. But it certainly had nothing to do with Tommy or with the or with the actors. Mm-hmm. Just independent filmmaking in Hollywood, circa nineteen eighty-six or seven or eight or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And what's your thoughts on the film? Do you, I mean, is, do you enjoy what he did, or you, you know? I enjoyed what he did about three quarters of the way through, yeah. and then yeah. I start. I, 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 if you'd had some money, I would have done 
more and different visual effects that I'm sure Tommy would have too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so. Daniel Caruso would like to know, let's see. He, he had read that you originally wrote the part of Peter Vincent in Fright Night for Vincent Price. Is that true? That is true. Did you I ever mean, try I, to get him? Yes, I reached out through through Jackie. The, the Jackie Birch, our, our wonderful casting director, and he was not well. Mm. And then after the film was over, Roddy had me over for dinner at his house, and he invited Vincent Price and his wife, Coral Brown. And I got to I got to spend the evening with them, and oh, wow. yeah, I mean, I, but I would, I, Chris, I was such an idiot in those days. I should have brought an autograph book with me everywhere, <laughs> and, and I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think. But I you didn't have about, the, but you have that experience though. You had dinner with Vincent. Price I had dinner with Vincent Price time. and his wife, Carl. It's Brown. all in yeah. your head. That's all, the only place you need it is in your head. <laughs> but so so anyway, I want to talk to Vincent about all the AIP movies. You know that right. that, that, that he you know the House of Usher, that kind of thing, Pit and the yeah. Pendulum, and all he wants to talk about is food. <laughs> he, he was a gourmet. Yeah. And, he was a lover of, of, of art, but mainly yeah. he was writing his cookbook at that time. I have I have those cookbooks. I have oh, you do? <laughs> I have some of his cooking albums. He made oh, yeah. cooking records oh. where he really? narrates yeah. them. Yeah. Nice. Well, so I mean, so I was like, I did I never I never got out of him what I wanted to get out of him, but he 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 certainly amused me. But all I could do was just because I had grown up with him. I've grown up with him and Christopher Lee. Well, it's yeah. where the name where the name Peter Vincent comes from. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, uh, Peter Cushing and and Vincent Price. I mean, the, the Fright Night is my love letter to horror fans everywhere, especially if you remember the fifties, sixties, and into the seventies. And it was I wrote that with a huge amount of affection, and it it was it was an intrinsically funny idea. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, kid, the horror fan next door becomes convinced that his next door neighbor is a vampire. And so I was writing it and I was breaking up with laughter in a lot of the scenes. And yeah. that that went into it and, and communicated in the script. Yeah. Hey. It shows that that movie, it shows there's so much love in that movie. And you're right. It does. All, it's all on screen. <laughs> Look at your dog. <laughs> What's the dog's name? This one? Yes. Oh, Finian. Finian <laughs> Holland. Finian is Irish for friend. Gaelic. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, me and my shadows, 222, said, what was the it factor for casting Chris Sarandon as Jerry? Well, I was very aware of his work. The the, the Academy Award nomination, I think, for the movie he did with... Uh, Dog Day Afternoon. Dog, Dog day, day Afternoon. Yeah. I mean, Chris is a serious actor. I mean, yeah. I mean, a heavyweight actor. And when I met with him, <clears throat> there was something very calming about his personality, which is why I've worked with him as, as much as I could. Child's Play and a TV movie called The Stranger Within with Rick Schroeder and Kate Jackson, which is excellent, by the way, but nobody ever remembers TV. Uh and he was just wonderful to work with in the same way that Roddy was, except that they're very, very different. But Roddy was somebody who also 
took over sort of a paterfamilias. He became the, the father to, to the cast, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and led everybody in the same direction. Chris, Chris just... Chris just kept building Jerry Dandridge and making him better and better. And uh, it was just, it was just, he was just a, a fabulous actor. Roddy came in and Roddy was already Peter Vincent. Yeah. He said, I know who Peter Vincent is. He's the cowardly lion, you, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he, he, and he knew how to get, the, to get the, the laughs. I've been so lucky. The last, the last day, or day or two days before the closing of MGM, which is now Sony down in Culver City, Roddy took me through the lot, just me, walking me through because he'd been there as 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 a boy in the in the in like at, at twenty or two, but as the, the theater school there, and he could tell me who was in what dressing rooms, what movies had been shot on what stages. Where Catherine Hepburn had meant uh, Spencer Tracy outside the Thalberg. I mean, it was incredible Hollywood lore. Mm-hmm. And once again, I should have had a tape recorder, and I didn't. <laughs> and then we walked into the to the library that that MGM had for for uh, you know for for filmmakers who wanted to get the costumes right for for an era, or who wanted production designers who wanted to get a street right or whatever they were creating in the back lot. And the librarian was crying. He was in tears because Sony was throwing everything out. Wow. Well, you know, 40, 50, 60 years of a collection of art books and, 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 and publicity stills going back. And I should have grabbed everything I could have. And I was too young and dumb to know. But that's where Debbie Reynolds got all the costumes from. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm surprised all that stuff didn't go to the, the, the Academy of Motion Pictures. I'm just I don't I don't think they I don't think all. they cared enough. Wow. I, I or the academy couldn't take them. I mean I've heard varying things about the academy. Yes, they, they're they're a, a repository of the history, but also once you give things to the to the academy, they disappear into the bowels of the building and you never see them being displayed again. I don't mm. know. That I don't know. Um at it was John- hard, it was heartbreaking, Chris. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Well, he t- Roddy took me down into the tunnels underneath the entirety of 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 of, 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 of I'm sure they're still there, and they were full of nitrate prints, which, as you know, burn like that, like an explosion. Yeah. Yeah. But they they all these I don't know what happened to any of that stuff. And those it's are the rare. same. I was going to say I think those are the same tunnels that the 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 whole there's a the stories of the Munchkins from uh, Wizard of Oz used to go from the tunnels from the hotel to the studio. Yeah. I think those are the same tunnels. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a shame that a lot of, I mean, I've been doing this 34 years now and, and it's always amazing to me how you go to these lots and all the different lots, all the Warner brothers, universal Sony now, how much, how much is lost and how many people don't, don't have someone like Roddy who who loved film so much, even though he worked in it and knows so much about it, you know, that's rare these days to 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 work with people that have that amount of knowledge that that just love it so 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 much and know so much about it. And um all that information 
just gone, you know. Someone you, you need to write a book about it. <laughs> well, okay. It's all ephemeral. You know, I mean, I'm I I've been doing I was under contract, the seven-year contract to Warner Brothers when I was 19. Mm. Was my, I, I got the contract on my after my freshman year at Northwestern during that summer. And when I went out to Warner Brothers, then this would be 1963. It was the it was the year that JFK was assassinated, and the 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 set to uh, Camelot was still standing outside. It was, it was like wow. a castle wow. with the ramparts. Yeah. They still on the largest soundstage they had there when I was there. The set was still standing on on uh, the Ascot Race. Uh, my fair lady mm. I mean it was a phenomenal and I was able to watch them filming uh, Robin and the Seven Hoods with Frank Sinatra and the, and the gang wow you know and and they and I, I was talking to people they talked about they talked about uh, uh, Jimmy Jimmy Dean they talked about uh, the, the battling Bogarts but it was there was the name of his wife that he had before he married Betty Bacall. I mean, the, in other words, what I'm saying is the icons on the Warner Brothers lot in 1963, nobody remembers any of them now. Mm. I mean, I, I guess they remember, remember Bogey, but not very well. I mean, I, I was I was to a horror convention. A girl was walking around with a T-shirt of Ingrid Bergman from, I think, Going My Way. Mm -hmm. And... I was like amazed that she would have that. And I said, do you know who that is? She had no clue. <laughs> she was being ironic. Yeah. Well, but I mean, I mean, Ingrid Bergman was the biggest star in the female star in the world in, in the late thirties, yeah. forties and into the end, well into the fifties. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah. in other words, whoever we, whoever we think is huge today, give it 30 or 40 years, including me. <laughs> Um, Josh Collette 9341 said, I adore your work and so many of your films have played a huge part in my life. One of my favorite films, not only that you have made, but ever is the Langoliers. I would love for you to tell any stories, uh, you can, um, thinking of the making of it. Best wishes, Josh. Oh boy. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for that, because that's one of those it was a huge amount of work. It was four-hour miniseries, I think, for ABC. And it was just off of a Stephen King novella, which I thought was excellent. And that's feel, that feels like it. It got very good ratings, but that feels like it's been forgotten. That would be like mm. 1993. I, the, I the, think it suffers from the the visual effects, for, for, you know, the dated visual effects, which was, unfortunately, at the time, the best there was. Um, yeah. But a lot of those movies from the 90s, I feel, kind of suffer from those uh, early CGI effects. That was just when it was coming in. Yeah. And it was, it was the, the effects crew was, loved by a, was led by a terrific guy called Tom Barham. I don't know what's happened to him. But he went, I was in the meeting with, with the producers of Laurel Entertainment. And he wanted another couple of days to continue the rendering in the computers so he would dirty up the Langoliers so they would fit better 
against the, the, the plates that have been shot of, 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 of the Langoliers destroying the airport and coming down the hill and everything. And they would not spend the money. And the, the money was very, very little, but they didn't give it. They didn't give a good goddamn. Mm-hmm. So you, I don't know how you fight that, you know, the because uh, I've, I've dealt with it all my life. I mean, what happens is, is whatever the job is that you're that you're that you're doing and you care about so much, the producers are looking at the next job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, 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 Langoliers had a phenomenal cast. It had mm-hmm. an ensemble cast and David Morris and Pat Wedig and everybody in it. And I was able to rehearse that. And we shot that at a live airport, the Bangor International Airport, mm. which, of course, was supposed to be totally empty. And that's at the height of the tourist season when everybody's when all <clears throat> Bob Iger comes in and they introduce me before Bob. He was head, I guess he was head of Disney then, but he's on his way to his yacht. And that's when I realized that <laughs> at the certain in August, at a certain time of year, all these big wigs go to the Gold Coast of, 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 of Maine and get in their yachts. And go out to certain islands, which I guess they own, and they have big, big meetings. These huge corporations. Huh. Yeah. About these well, about meetings how to, about about how to screw the writers and directors. <laughs> <laughs> Hence a strike right now. <laughs> um. Let's see. Horror Views wanted to know, can you ask Tom how he feels about the Fright Night remake as a whole and the casting of Anton? Yelchin and Colin Farrell. I personally love both films and the direction he took with the story in the remake. I thought the casting was excellent. CGI is the only real downfall and missing the original's amazing practical effects. That's a mouthful, but well, yeah. not 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 bad. No, I did not like it. The remake. Neither did and I. Neither did be- I. <laughs> well, because they because and I blame that on the writer. Some woman wrote it who was a favorite of, of Steven Spielberg's. But all the affection is gone. All the humor is gone. And it felt like a generic Buffy, the vampire slayer episode of, of, of TV to me. Mm-hmm. Because the she killed Peter Vincent. She turned him in, she went not into a horror host, but into a into a magician in Las Vegas. Mm. And I it's a, I mean, my fright night is a love letter. Look, we're all fans. I'm I'm a fan. Mm. Chris, Sean, none of us would be here if we right. weren't mad fans at some time when we were 10, 15, 11, 12, whatever. And that that was what Fright Night was. And the the remake had none of that love. It just it, it was cold. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Fra- was it Frolin? And that, that's not a comment on the actors. I thought all the yeah. actors in the remake were terrific. Right. You know, the one who got really screwed was the guy who played, uh, you just mentioned him, the Irishman. Oh, Colin, yeah, Farrell. Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell really got limited by by that. Because if he'd had the, the original Fright Night script, he could have he could have really kicked butt with that. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Frolin Beth said, can you ask him if there were any alternate endings to Psycho 2? No, but we were filming it. 
and I was there in and out on a lot of the filming because I was I was also working already on Cloak and Dagger. The the I had the movie originally ending with the real mother, Mrs. Loomis, having a cup of tea with strychnine in it and gagging and dying at the table. And Richard and I looked at that as we were shooting, I think, or maybe we thought about it or he thought about it before. It didn't have a punch. It wasn't like a, 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 a terrific, it wasn't like the cherry on top of the Sunday, hmm. you know? And we both knew it, and neither of us knew what to do. And I don't know because I've read his I've read his memoirs now, and it's in, it's in the Psycho Two book I'm doing. He says he came up with the idea of him hitting her with something, but I came up with the idea of putting the shovel in the room. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't really remember, but it turned into a hell of an ending. Yeah, you know, because if yeah. you watch that film with an audience, the entire audience fell off their seats, <laughs> fell off their chairs when that happened. That it's the same. I had the same effect in Child's Play when Chucky stabs the uh, Chris Sarandon is driving the car, and Chucky puts the knife up between his legs, you know, and almost <laughs> gelds him, and every man in the audience, ah. <laughs> <laughs> But the entire audience, both sexes in Psycho Two, were stunned by the by 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 yeah. the by the by the unexpected violence of the ending, which was Great like moment. that and gone. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, a good friend of the show goes by the ever scathed. Uh, would like to know: Was there ever a thought-out backstory for the woman in the painting that so closely resembles Amy that Jerry just had to have her? Was there ever a backstory to her? Yes, there was that I had agreed on with Jared with uh, with Chris. Chris felt that, that 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 Jerry needed to you needed to see the to see something redeeming or good along with along with the bad beyond his devilish you know sense of humor. And I said, he just falling in love with Mina Harker. And that's who Amy is. She's she's Mina Harker reborn, and that's the photo that Jerry kept in his study of his first love. Now maybe it isn't Mina Harker, but that that was the intent, and that's the story behind it. But I believe that 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 uh, that uh, Godfather, the director, did uh, Coppola did Dracula. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think he used it then, but that was like I don't know, ten years after Fright Night. Mm -hmm. So I was there first, but but that was <laughs> but that was the idea. And I'm writing a series of books on on Fright Night. The first one, Fright Night Origins, came out last Halloween. Mm -hmm. I'm trying for the sequel, Aftermath, to get it out this Halloween. And <clears throat> much to my amazement and great pleasure, it sold like hotcakes. But that's that I'm in that I'm going to go into I'm going to go into Jerry Dandridge's real past you know I'm going to go back to like 15 1600 oh, and exciting. yes and 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 you know I'm I'm also going to do Evil Ed in San Francisco which should be interesting oh that would be great <laughs> <laughs> that would be really great so I mean I mean what what's happening to me is I'm I'm working harder than I've worked in years, you know, 
And of course, I'm terrified because, uh, you know, I mean, when I have my re 80, you can't deny that 80 is old. You know, I mean, uh, that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, I mean, yes and no. I think it's all where you're at, where your mind is at, and 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 what you're doing with it. You know what I mean? Well, I'm 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 working now to you're produce busy. to produce as much as I can of quality as as quickly as I can. I'll tell you. The other thing that that there's an old another old saw. I should probably go to your question, Sean. I don't want to make this any longer than you have, but. <laughs> You know, there's the old saw that that once you're past 50, you're never going to do anything really original and creative again because because older people don't do that. Mm. And I'd like like hell to prove them wrong. Yeah, I agree. 100 <laughs> percent. Uh, the next question is from Fantastic Tilly. <laughs> said to. To preface, I recently purchased your autograph Psycho 2 screenplay and absolutely loved it. As a diehard Tilly fan, do you have any Meg Tilly stories from the Psycho 2 set? And do you think she captured the Mary that you had initially written for the screen? Yes, she did. I thought. I thought she had an innocence and a youthfulness that, that, that Tony would feel safe inviting her back to the house. You know, and and we looked at we 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 looked at other actors, including Carrie Fisher, including uh, Janet Lee's daughter. Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis came in. Oh wow. She she'd been in road games for Richard just before that, yeah. and she was trying to get. She didn't she didn't want to be typed in the genre at that moment in time. But she there was, also, was yeah. There was also she was too knowing. So was Carrie. Carrie Fisher was more sophisticated than any woman i've ever met you know i mean she was whatever was going on there she really yeah definitely anyway, couldn't the, see carrie fisher in that no role. no, no, no could, tony would have I've never believed she was an innocent yeah but but meg tilly had that and meg tilly was really really nice and meg tilly said i she didn't understand why everybody was treating tony perkins like the star of the movie <laughs> I mean, that's how innocent she was. Yeah. And, wow. and Richard, in his memoirs, said that she told him she'd never seen Psycho, which I find hard to believe. You'd think if you got a part in the movie, you'd look at the original. But what do I know? Right. So yeah, I thought I thought she was great, and I don't know why she didn't keep working. I really don't know. I think it was by choice. I think. If oh I yeah. Remember. Oh yeah. By choice. Yeah. Well, I think she married some rich guys. Mm. That'll help. That helps. <laughs> uh, let's see here. I want to get some good ones. We got a lot, so I'm going to have to skip some. So okay. um, let's go with, uh, let's see, the classically deceased 1292 said, um, what was it like working? Well, now, I don't even know if you were on set for this because you just wrote it, but he said, what was it like working with a young Michael J. Fox on class in 1984? Also, was there any actor that was difficult or hard to control during the making of a movie? Uh, I was not there. It was a Canadian tax shelter deal. And God forbid they'd ever spend the money to fly me up. 
to, to Canada. I think it was in Vancouver, I think. No, Toronto. I was Toronto? just at, I was just okay. at all those locations. I got a an episode. Oh, that's that. right. Yeah. Yeah, you blew me away when I saw what you'd done with child's play into the location in the Brewster building. <laughs> that was amazing. Anyway, so I wasn't there, but I thought I thought the film was just dramatically terrific. Mm. And I have I have a feeling it was because of the actors in it. And one of them has become a big director, I think, a big TV director. And, yeah, my yeah. Uh, Van Patten, uh, Van Patten, Timothy, Timothy Van Patten. In the, I mean, so there, there was, there was something going on there that made that work. I'm, I'm, I'm friends with with Mark Lester, or at least have friendly relationships with him, and I like him a lot. But that, I think, dramatically, is by far the best movie he's ever done. Agreed. And Love so, yeah, so somehow those actors got together and made that made that that movie work and did just a terrific job. And, and Roddy McDowell. Now, of course. Well, did that, you have any involvement with getting him in that? No, that, was, because, that was pre Fright Night. huh? Yes, but because he'd been so terrific in that going to tears when he when he was reacting to the kids killing all he was the biology teacher killing all of his pet animals in his classroom. And he brought me to tears. So when he came in and told me how he envisioned Peter Vincent, I knew he could do both sides of it. Yeah. I knew he could do the humor, but I also knew he could be moving. Yeah. Yeah. He's great in that movie. Um, he wanted to do, he wanted, he Trey had me, he wanted to do site. He wanted to do fright night three. And he had me set up with an interview with that guy, Mendez who somehow got the rights when the Herb Jaffe's company went bankrupt for Fright Night. And that was just before we went, he told me he was the worst human being he'd ever met in Hollywood. And just before we went in for the meeting, his kids killed him and his wife. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the Mendez brothers. The Mendez yes. brothers. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. And from, and from what Roddy said, I, be I believe them when they talked about sexual abuse with, by the father, apparently wow. it was, if, if Roddy said he was that horrible, he was that horrible. Wow. Wow. This is a, this is a cool question. Uh, at MD Smith comics said, do you have any good anecdotes or memories from filming the incredible Hulk? <laughs> <laughs> and, oh my God. <laughs> and as someone who appeared in the show as an actor and has become a director, any interest in doing a Hulk movie with more a horror angle? I, I that, that's one's a little reaching, but go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I remember it being a lot of fun. I mean, that that was, I did every in the years. I decided that I wanted to get out of acting, and I I wanted to get into directing, and the way to do it at that time. I'm talking, I was in the actor's studio from 1968 to about 72 or three. And I was seeing it happen all around me with people like Jim Bridges. And I can't remember who else was with all the people that were there. And they were doing it through original screenplays. That was a moment in time when Hollywood got confused about what was, because of, of Easy Rider, got confused about, about what to do for the, for, the, for the younger audience, which were then the boomers. And the door was open for original screenplays, unlike the last 20 or 30 years, you know. the uh, So you had a lot of, of fresh blood coming in, and I, I got very, very lucky. I, I mean, I thought, 
in some ways I've, 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 I've gotten, I've done terrible things and gotten killed, you know, in terms of politics and other ways I'm talking about on the executive suites and in other ways I've had wonderful, wonderful things happen, which are almost accidental, but you know, it's been a real mix. I suppose everybody feels like that. Yeah. Uh, Dangertainment977 wants to know, he has two questions. Number one, what are your thoughts on the Chucky series since you started it all? And number two, how was your experience working on Hatchet 2? <laughs> well, Hatchet 2 was wonderful because of Adam Green and mm -hmm. Joe Lynch. <laughs> Those two. <laughs> Uh, they're, they're 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 both great guys. The uh, uh, the first Child's Play. No. What what are your thoughts on the series, the the new TV series? I don't want to touch that. That's okay. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> I, I I turned down I turned down Child's Play two. Okay, but that tells you what I thought of the script. You so, know, I mean, if if I had done it, you would if I'd done it, you would have continued with with Karen Barkley and. And 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 her son Andy and you know gone into that, but I never would have. It's, it's not. I'm in. I'm into emotional thrillers, hopefully, leavened by a bit of humor. Mm. You know, so. Uh, David Langhorn forty three wants to know: Were the houses used in Fright Night? Were they real houses, or was that a back lot? The houses that, that was a back lot, and that was left over from. Something wicked this way comes. Mm. And the opening, yeah, they were still standing. The opening shot is, yeah. uh, the opening shot is partially a mat done by Richard Edlin on mm. the left side of the of the of the frame, but the right side where the houses are, that was the, that was, uh, that was the back lot. Something wicked this way comes. Which studio? I'm, Universal. Disney. Right? Oh, Disney. D Disney. Disney. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Huh. And I, I have the production stills to prove it. <laughs> uh, Kevin Reynolds, 4851, said, question for Tom, would you or could you provide some insight into your script, Crystal Tower, uh, and why it never made it to the screen? Well, I had, an, I had, a, I had a deal with Corolco, and they were, they were interested in putting it into production, and I kept rewriting it, trying to find the perfect script because I'm finally neurotic and compulsive, and I was a fool. Because if I just said, let's make this script now, I would have gotten it done. Instead, by the time that I got to where I felt secure enough with it, they were having money flow problems, cash flow problems, and eventually mm. drove them into bankruptcy. Mm. Okay. There was a lovely, a lovely woman there then who was... And I can't remember her name now either, but who really helped me. Jeez. I mean, you know, it, it's look, if, if if to those filmmakers that are out there, if 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 it if it opens up, if that moment opens up because you've had a very, very recent success, make the make the movies. Make don't don't go for perfection. Work out the problems while you're in production. You know, I, that's how I feel now about that. Also, the other thing is don't ever give up. You know, any any in-camera or physical effects in the movie, no matter how much they beat you up about going over budget. I'm referring, of course, to Child's Play, but I'm also referring to Thinner. I gave mm. up the judge, the judge as the gill man sitting in the bathtub and did it as an acting scene instead. Because, because, uh, uh, what was it? 
uh, whatever the production company was was beating me up so bad about the money because the fat suit was was taking so much time. This is this is one of the first fat suits ever done. You work on those lights and Robert Robert John, you you know the, you 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 sweat. And when you begin to sweat, the edges and the fat suit lift, lift, lift up. So that was taking time. Uh, Jason Fisher once uh, says, uh, you've directed several TV anthology episodes, such as Amazing Stories and Tales from the Crypt. But my favorite is your Masters of Horror episode, We All Scream for Ice Cream. What are your memories of working on that production? Well, I was introduced to uh, William Forsythe. Mm -hmm. He's a brilliant, brilliant actor. And I mean, I can't, I can't say enough about him as an actor. And he was the one who said he wanted to do Emmett Kelly with the, with the, with the brain damaged clown that he was, that he was portraying. And I should have listened to him because it would have made it even more, even more moving. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, anyway, it was a terrific experience. Mick, Mick Garris produced that and it was, it was it was just lovely, you know. I had David Scow who wrote the who wrote the the, the episode. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I all the actors. I've been blessed with good actors, you know. I really have. I've been blessed with some screaming A's, you know, too. You know, I've run, <laughs> well, I've run into those star system things, you know. Yeah. But usually, if you can get to them about the character and the work, you can get beyond the. The, the the BS, you know, that the, they haven't got, they haven't become that successful unless they're very, very good. And on some level, you know, they, they care as much about the character as you do. Hmm. And so I've been very lucky that way. I think William Forsyth is brilliant. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, saw him I mean, this weekend. He was in Houston at the Houston horror film festival. We didn't speak this weekend, uh, but I saw him. He was, he was at the show. Well, he can be a handful. You know, I mean, I, I did something called Twisted Tales where we ran out of money. Uh, I was doing it for Fearnet. And then uh, uh, and I, I wrote and directed them. But we ended up, you know, with, with, without any money and all, all the rest of it. So some of them are pretty ragged, but four or five of them are really good. And Williams in one of them. And we got into a fight there. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, he's, a, <laughs> he's challenging, but boy, he's brilliant. I mean, he's been a good friend for years. Um, I've always had a great relationship with him, but I recently heard he was pissed at me because I bad mouthed his current agent, who's a piece of shit. And so I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I I noticed him kind of giving me some dirty looks this weekend, so I just stayed away from him. But hey, I'll be honest. If you watch this, Bill, I love you. I I think no different of you. I'm sorry, you got a crappy agent. Um. Well, I had, I had him on one of the twisted tales and I wanted to shoot. I wanted him to stand up on the sidewalk so I could shoot up. And I was at night and I would all see all the lights of the sunset of sunset strip behind him, which gave a lot of production value and depth of frame. Mm -hmm. And he insisted on laying flat on the sidewalk. So I could only shoot like this. And I, you know, uh, I do think he's an amazing actor. I loved his performance on Boardwalk Empire. I thought he was amazing on that. Uh, if you saw that, I also, I think directed by Timothy Van Patten from Class Night. There you go. I'll give yeah. you another one. He's the fat, uh, out of shape, game playing geek in Cloak and Dagger. And <laughs> totally unrecognizable, and he gained like thirty pounds to do it. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I that's mean, when he, that's when he was really young when he was a kid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, his, I mean, he's not bad in anything. I mean, really, to no. be honest, with you, he's he's no, he's, he's one of those guys. Any project he does, he takes it to an, another level. I I think. Yeah. So. No, I think so too. But then Chris Sarandon can do that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Chris Sarandon's personality is even. So when mm-hmm. everybody else is losing their mind around the set, including me, he's he's like a touchstone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank Riker wants to know, is it true that Richard Franklin commented to Dean Cundy that Hitchcock would have loved his direction of photography in uh, Psycho 2? Do you know anything about that? No, but I remember, I remember long discussions about whether Richard wanted to shoot Psycho 2 in black and white and wow. Universal, Universal would not allow that. And so he, he had long discussions with Dean who was coming off what had what here here's Hollywood for you and how things changed coming off a terrible failure directed by uh, by Carpenter called the thing. <laughs> okay, I mean when that when that came out, that was savaged. Yeah, and yeah. now it's become a classic. You yeah. know? The but Dean Cundy at that at that moment in time, I remember him and and Richard and I was I because I was working in the office with Richard. I remember the, a, a number of meetings discussing how to make color look like black and white with Dean Cundy because Richard wasn't about ready to give up that high contrast, scary look mm-hmm. that came with black and white. The, the reason that Hitchcock didn't do it in, in Psycho was he thought it would be too gory if you really saw the red blood, red, red. Uh, but Richard... I thought I thought Dean Cundy did a beautiful job, you know, shooting, you know, uh, shooting uh, Psycho Two. Absolutely, but that, was, that was because they were trying. Richard was Richard was in love with Night of the Hunter, which was black mm-hmm. and white. If you remember that at all, mm-hmm. that's where that's that's where love and hate on on the knuckles of mm-hmm. the of the hands. The uh, and so what he was trying to do was get the feeling of high contrast, which is how most horror movies in black and white were shot, noir, and try to get that with the color in Psycho 2, because Richard was doing so many overhead shots, which are, which are reminiscent of, of Hitchcock. Right. And uh, I, what, I thought it looked great. Yeah, it does look great. Dean Cundy's amazing. Yeah, he's my favorite. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, Joan Searfoss wants to know, what is your favorite prop that you have kept from any of your films? I I know what my favorite that you own is, so I've been to your house and seen them. But, the bat? But yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah, me too. The bat. <laughs> the bat. I, my, my wife said she didn't marry me to have her living room turned into a horror museum. <laughs> but, but if she hadn't said that, I would have extended the bat's wings, which are about five and a half feet from tip to tip, and I would have flown it from the rafter right over the, the top of the living room. But she won't let me do that. Well, yeah. you know what? I agree with her, and I think you should just let me buy them from you, and you know, let's, <laughs> let's make her happy. Come on. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, boy, this is this is a this is a long one. I'm gonna read it because this guy put in time. This is at. Stuart Stafford, question for Tom Holland. Original psycho novelist Robert Block wrote a film called Straight Jacket with Joan Crawford. 
where she's an axe murderess released from a mental asylum after being locked up for years. She faces challenges, to say the least, and people try to drive her crazy to turn her back into an axe murderess of old. Was this an inspiration for Psycho 2 in any way? It's interesting to think what Hitchcock would have done with Psycho 2 if he had directed it in 75. It's very sympathetic to Norman Bates with a killer score by Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, and he, I love Dean Cundy's photography. So I guess he's asking if the straight jacket had any influence on the story. I have never heard of straight jacket before. Oh, well, there you or go. Or if I've heard of it, I've forgotten it. But no, it had nothing to do with it at all. I've seen straight jacket. I can't see any correlation there at all. <laughs> well, I guess just the trying I mean, driver crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gaslighting and Ingrid Bergman and Charles Boyer. Yeah. Anthony Watt wants to know, was Anthony Perkins a method actor in between takes on Psycho 2? Did he stay kind of in character? No, but okay. he was Norman. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> He, he was a terribly, terribly nice man, and his wife was lovely. I went over there, I think, with Richard for dinner one night to their house, and then we went out to the Ivy one night, too, I remember. And he was just lovely, but I never lost the feeling that he was Norman. You know, I mean, and, and I've, I've always meant to ask Chris Sarandon about it, because at way back in the 70s, Chris shared an apartment or, or lived downstairs in their townhouse in New York City with Tony and, and Tony's wife. And his, he couldn't believe that I'd ever be nervous around Tony. But if Tony was raging, which, which on occasion he did throwing a fit, I, it scared me. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, let's see. Epic Jason X said, are, do you have any interesting or funny stories you can tell about shooting in Chicago on the original child's play, which is the best in the entire franchise, in my opinion? That's from. Epic well, thank you. It's the best in the entire franchise, in my opinion, too, because <laughs> it started it all. Yeah. The uh, defined, the defined uh, <clears throat> Charles Lee Ray. Funny stories? I don't know about that, but it was so cold. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, words fail me. I remember standing up on the bridge over the Chicago River in the middle of the night, and the wind was blowing so hard that I could I could lean forward like this, and the wind held me erect. Mm, and wow. I mean, it was it, it was bitter, bitter cold. And I I chose Chicago because I knew it because I'd gone to Northwestern, mm. but I I. I I think somehow the how cold it was escaped my mind before I got into it. You know, I mean, it was it, it was it was physically demanding. You mm -hmm. had to you had to take the cameras. We had multiple cameras, and you would have to take the camera that you were using and put it back into the camera truck to keep it to keep it warm because otherwise the oil inside it froze. Mm -hmm. So we had like three or four cameras we were constantly chasing off, changing over because it was so cold out. Everybody had uh, full body suits like you have when you're you're working at the airport outside, and we had heat packs and on and on and on. It was because of that, man. But at the same time, Chicago gives a hell of a look. Yeah, or it gave a great look. And that Brewster building, you know, that that you shot when you went back to the locations, hmm. was is, is a is a a marvel. 
of yeah. architecture. I got 1920s, 1919, I forget when. I love Listen, that elevator too. That well, didn't it? Yeah. And shooting, shooting up with the glass floors, yeah. with the floors, the, the the marble glass. I mean, it gave me so much, so much of a look. And that's John DeCure Senior. John DeCure was the was the was the production designer. He and his son, Junior, on Fright Night, and then John Senior went and scoped out uh, Chicago for me, and 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 took me and I met him there. And we looked at these great location, background locations. So when you're shooting somebody behind them are all these buildings or the river or whatever. And and he was John DeCure for anybody who, and, and who doesn't know, he was he was Daryl Zanuck's production designer on everything from Cleopatra to King and I to, you know, the the, the guy the painting on the roof of the Sistine Chapel. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. That mm-hmm. and that was that was Shell Schrager. Shell Schrager at Columbia was the head of production, and he he gave me the 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 the, the crew from from uh, Ghostbusters, and he also gave me John DeCure, who was the production designer on Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. And if I hadn't had talent at that level, Fright Night would never have been what it is or looked like what it is. You know, I mean, I, that's that's why you need luck. Yeah. Finally. You need to be blessed with a little bit of luck. Yeah. Uh, this is a fun question. Horror Dude 8673 wants to know if you have any get off my lawns. <laughs> now, <I'll explain. laughs> so we have a segment on our show called Get Off My Lawn where we basically just complain about things that bother us. Like, for example, uh, I have, I hate paper straws. Uh, they drive me crazy. I hate that places won't take cash anymore and they've gone cashless things like that that just drive me nuts do you have- i hate that i hate that one too yeah i mean because you know <laughs> they're going to end up controlling all they're going to they're going to go to yeah they're going to end up controlling all the money they're going to outlaw paper where, money where it's you're at gonna, and what you're buying yeah it's all going to go digital yeah i mean all i all i feel around me is the world closing in on on all of us i couldn't be i couldn't be more scared than i am right now and it's got nothing to do with horror movies it's just it's just that it's worry about the world and my country and all of us yeah no it's it's i was just talking to chris about it he, he was kind of unaware of the rash of of shoplifting and and the, the things that that's been going on lately it's insane you it's, see what happened in nordstrom's yeah i was just telling him about it yeah like a, a mob of 20 people all in masks and, you know, run in and just start taking everything and nobody's stopping them. And they're just destroying yeah. stuff. It's crazy. I was telling them I went to my grocery store last night and they had a whole section kind of barricaded off. And I was like, you know, and I live in you know, a very suburban, nice area. And I asked him, I said, are you guys dealing with shoplifting? Is that what this is about? And he said, yeah, it's crazy. He said, it's crazy in my neighborhood i couldn't believe it well look if you don't if you don't have yes 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 it's getting progressively more dangerous out there yeah yeah i mean you know you notice that big black dog i had that big black big black german shepherd finian Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) well i've been broken into twice by homeless oh really yeah i i I, I, the, the first time the guy was a zombie 
trying to get to the to to after the Sepulveda Basin fire with the homeless, I guess like a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah, yeah. And then the 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 gardeners were taking out the, the brush for the cutting for the fire season, and the gate was open. And halfway up, a woman was sitting next to a pile of dead brush, smoking a crack pipe. Wow. And neither the guy nor the woman were they were like zombies. They were so mentally gone. Right. And that's scary. You no. know? Well, the homeless encampments are just nuts yeah. right now. Yeah. It's, it's... It just gets worse and worse. But I mean, I, I we uh, it's, it's more personal stuff and we can yeah. talk about it. But if, 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 I'm getting out of here at some point. Yeah. And yeah. I've basically, my wife and I have been here since 1966 or 67. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it was the Garden of Eden here when we arrived. Yeah. She's from Brooklyn and I'm from mid state. I'm from a small town across from Poughkeepsie. Right. Oh, God. The, you know, I mean, so this was, this was, California, LA was wonderful. And yeah. I'm, now I'm thinking of leaving Los Angeles too. It's, 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 I, I used to love it here. I love California and I, I loved it here. And now I'm, I'm, I'm considering moving back east or something, you know. Well, I can, I can, I can understand it. I mean, I, because I, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. The taxes are so, I, I don't know if you put this in or not, but the taxes are so onerous here now. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, and, and everything. I mean, I went out for a, for, for an egg, for an egg, for an egg and a, 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 a sandwich for breakfast the other day uh, with some bacon. It cost me $19 without the tip. <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, get off but, my lawn. Yeah, get off, <laughs> get off my lawn <laughs> with your egg sandwich. <laughs> your $19 egg sandwich. That, dude, that's exactly what our, we go on exactly. a lot deeper rants than that. Believe me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. We're getting close to the end here. We've got a couple more. Uh, Joker 520 said, could you ask Tom about shooting a gun loaded with blanks at David Kirshner on the set of Child's Play 2? And eventually getting fired and replaced for reshoots because the original test screenings were bad. Any truth to either of those stories? And is that why he wasn't included on any of the bonus features on the new release? Uh, None of it's true. None of it's true. Okay. No, I mean the only the only time I fired a gun was at the very end when when the last the last scene where where uh, where Catherine you know blows the 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 arm and the head off of the doll and then finally she shoots the heart out with the, and kills the doll. Hmm. Yeah, that's the, a lot. Of, uh, that's a lot of rumors right there. No, that I mean, is. but the, hmm. what 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 was the what was the what was the tension between between Kirshner and I? I was making a great movie. Kirshner hmm. was making an advertisement for merchandise. Yeah. Right. Um, Richie seven seven eight two said he loves it when Chris and I talk about the band Kiss. He wants to know if you were ever a fan of the band Kiss. <laughs> well, not only was I a fan, I spent at one period, what's his name? Uh, Gene Simmons sent me a a script that I liked, and we met, and he lived above me on Benedict Canyon and in a house that now has been totally redone. But Gene, I'd never met anybody who was so interested in money as Gene Simmons was, okay? <laughs> and then... Then we went and we would have coffee over at the Glen Center at the top of, of Beverly Glen and, and Mel yeah. Holland. Yeah, yeah. And the minute we started to talk about music, 
especially music from the 50s and 60s, Gene Simmons turned into a mad fan. Gene Simmons is, is a fan of the rock and roll from, 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 from Bill Haley and Rock Around the Clock all the way up and all the way. He knew every song, every singer, and he knew a lot of the lyrics. And I sat there with my mouth falling open. It had, in other words, his love for it had nothing to do with money. It was his love, love for the music itself. But then when it came to, you know, about, because at that point, Kiss had been around for 20 years. This must have been in the, probably the early 2000s. He was interested. At that point, I think one foot maybe was out the door and he was interested in money. Yeah. <laughs> I know he's a big classic horror fan too. Yeah. Like the, yeah. You know, the classic, like, universal stuff and all that. Well, I met, I met him first when he came in with the guitarist and he was pitching the guitarist to do the score for Fatal Beauty. And that's when I met him the first time. Hmm. And then he got hold of me, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years later about a script that he had hmm. with Edgar Allan Poe doing a mystery, trying to solve a, a, a horror murder. And oh, I thought wow. it was really interesting. And we, we got to know each other really well. And then, of course, like everything else, you go to work on, on a job or whatever, and then it sort of goes away. You just don't have time. Mm. It, it's, it, it takes a skill to keep relationships going long term in this yeah. business. It yeah, really does. For sure. Um, Gary5160 said, could you ask Tom about what became of the Tales from the Crypt episode King of the Road with Brad Pitt? I'd love to hear anything about its production or the soundtrack. Well, the soundtrack was Warren Zevon, Warren Zevon, and he's brilliant. Mm -hmm. I became friends with him off of that. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't tell you the I had I was I was I was doing that TV movie that was within mm -hmm. with Rick and, and Kate Jackson, and I couldn't be there to cast King of the Road, which was originally a pilot, a half hour pilot, and the other half hour was Dick, Dick Superman. Dick Donner. Donner. Dick Donner. Dick Donner, by the way, was a wonderful, wonderful man and a supporter yeah. of mine. And I, 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 I can't, I cannot speak highly enough. Yeah, about him. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Richard Donner. Huge Same here. He was a lucky he, he was from Poughkeepsie. Oh wow! And I'm from across the the, the, the Hudson River from Poughkeepsie in a town called Highland, which right. is like tiny. <laughs> you know, so neither <laughs> one of us had any. Any, any, there no nepotism there, you know. So he was very supportive. So anyway, so he asked me to split the pilot for Two Fisted Tales, which was going to be the action adventure version of of Twist of uh, of uh, whatever it was. Oh, Tales uh, of the Crypt. Tales, of, Tales of the Crypt. Yeah. And then what happened is, I thought his show was great, and I thought mine was great. And I was looking, they, I, did, I couldn't be there for casting, and they were sending me videos. And all of a sudden, this video appears of this guy, and he must have been like, I don't know, 25, 6, 7 at the time. And he had a magnetic smile. I can't explain charisma on film, you know, but some people have it. And this guy did. And that guy, I cast him as the lead in the, in the Two-Fisted Tales, and it was Brad Pitt. And I think I gave him one of his first jobs. <laughs> and he was just, he was terrific. And I, I, I watched him working and I, I watched the way the women around him were reacting, including the script supervisor. We used to call them script girls. 
Mm-hmm. And you could just see when he smiled, their hearts started to melt. And I said, <laughs> light the girl, but light him as well as the girl. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there was, there was, it was so obvious. And then I went and I showed it to my then agent at the time who begged me never to use his name and the story. So I won't, but I said, you got, you got to represent this guy. He's going to be a huge movie star. And the agent says, nobody knows who he is. That's too much work. Mm. That's Hollywood. Yep. Yeah. There you go. All right. We got down to our last two. All right. So this is Horrorholic 2 said, when you directed Child's Play, were there different designs for Chucky before settling on the final Chucky doll we all know and love? My memory is that I used the My Buddy doll mm-hmm. that then was hugely popular and Raggedy Ann and Raggedy Andy. I wanted the colors to be reminiscent of those outfits. And I needed I needed a doll to go from the one in the box. I have a couple in my hallway, screen used. <laughs> and uh, the I needed a face that was that you could put in a television commercial, which I used to start the movie with. The little Andy sees it on TV, mm-hmm. and then I needed a face that could go from this to mm-hmm. that, yeah. you know. And I needed to see the transition. And I could. This is a longer question than you have time for because it became a huge amount of work. Uh, trying to do it because look I built a set about four 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 or five feet off the floor down in Culver City in the old Greenwich Studios and the puppeteers and there were 11 or 12 of them you can see it in the I have a book out that you can find on terrortime.shop or on uh, Amazon called uh, Child's Play a, a visual memoir and uh, you can look at those that that isn't serious in the way the Psycho 2 book is Mm-hmm. But the the you can look at the you can see how difficult it physically was to do that. Yeah. The puppeteers were underneath the stage with all the wires run up behind the doll. I'd shoot the doll head on. The wires would come up under stage and you couldn't see them because I had to have those shots which were, hey, look, mom, no hands in order to sell that the doll was really ambulatory. The uh, and it was a very very difficult because the guys down below the puppeteers were on tv screens and in those days they didn't have a way to make the tv screen look like it did to the to the cameraman's eye or my eye by that i mean is if 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 the camera if, if i was watching it and the doll used his left hand down below the guys the puppeteers were seeing the doll use his right hand mm. they flipped it yeah and i don't know why i thought there was you know they were cathode ray tvs the uh so it was it was it was a huge technical achievement yeah and uh i mean i my memory is child's play was a hit from when i first saw it because the visual set pieces the sequences work like dynamite with the audience every time so mm. it was a matter of just tightening it up and you could you could see every time right. the, everything getting better do you think you went through a lot of, do you, do you remember looking at a lot of different designs for Chucky, meaning going through one design doesn't work, another design doesn't work, doesn't work? Did, did you no, go through a lot of that? No, but it couldn't be too, clo- too close to the My Buddy doll. Right. I think I think Chucky was initially aimed, aimed, named Buddy. Right. Uh, my Blood Buddy was the name of the original script that that, that I think Kirshner wrote. Mm-hmm. The, uh, 
but you couldn't use it because of the success of the My Buddy doll. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm, I I came up with the idea of, of, of putting Charles Lee Ray, the Lakeshore Strangler, inside the doll, mm. which is the opening of the movie. It's literally the first scene. You know, right. the, the fight with Chris Sarandon, the gunfight, and 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 uh, Charles Lee Ray, Brad Dourif. Mm. And Brad mm. Dourif had been the heavy for me in, uh, in Fatal Beauty directly before that. So I knew how, how great he was. The uh, And he had that voice. And... Uh, That that told the audience <clears throat> that that doll was deadly, okay, in the first two or three or four minutes. <clears throat> but the people in the film, the mother, the mother's friend, the babysitter, the little boy, nobody else knew it except you and the audience. Okay, okay. This, is a, this is a classic Hitchcockian suspense setup, which is to say you put the bomb underneath the table and you light it <clears throat> and then you wait. And the audience knows it's under there, but the people eating at the table don't. Right. And that's the same thing I do with Child's Play with my script of right. Child's Play. It's great. Classic. All right. Last question. That to go back to it, Chris. I I I I took that moment, slow burn that out to about fifty pages into the script. <laughs> and when that doll comes, when she threatens to throw that doll in the in the fireplace. Yeah. And the doll finally cops the fact that it's alive and attacks her. It's one of the scariest movies in film at that time. Yeah. I mean, the entire audience always screamed. That worked like a like that worked great from the first cut on. Absolutely. Agreed. Uh let's see. Janie Nelson thirteen ninety-seven said, Tom, do you think we have passed the through the age of great cinema? In my opinion, nowadays the quality is terrible. The great movies have come and gone. That's just this person's opinion. What are your thoughts on on that? Well, I'm I'm prejudiced since I lived through what she's referring to as the great age of cinema. <laughs> the uh, what's happened is they've cut out the mid list, and they cut that. That means the 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 the, the not 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 the very very cheap genre movies like horror, but like just sort of the mid list of you know romances or comedies you know that that doesn't didn't cost a fortune but you know but had a lot of variety and they did the same thing to the books in the 80s if it is it that's why you get sequelized now you're dead with sequelizations they went hollywood went maybe 20 25 years ago and decided to kill the movie star if they were paying too much money for, for, for Arnold Schwarzenegger, 20, 22, 24 million. They decided we don't need Arnold, we'll get a tent pole. So now you have everything is everything is tent poles and everything's the same. And if I see another Marvel movie, I am gonna put a gun to my head. <laughs> you know, I, so you mean the, when you say we'll get rid of the middle, you mean they they the the they used to make movies for um, you could make a movie for a moderate budget and you'd have a lot of different varieties of of yes. what that budget could bring you as opposed to now it's just super over budgeted giant movies or you have indie super low budget movies which you barely have that anymore actually now it's mostly just the big stuff and everything in between those mid-level budget movies are gone and that's and that and that that went away which took away your variety is that what you mean by that exactly what i mean chris yeah. And it's all it's all about reduction of, of risk in Hollywood's part. Right. 
And now they're now they're taking it up the pants, you know, because now when they have a bomb, it's you know it's one hundred fifty, one hundred seventy million dollars. But then when they have a hit, they they're making a billion dollars. You know, a good example is you look at look at Barbie right now. I haven't seen it, so I can't tell you anything about it. But but you know, it's 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 past a billion dollars globally that movie. but you know that same studio which i can't remember is it warner brothers so i think it's warner brothers uh they have other flops you know but those movies the, this movie offsets this movie it's all a numbers game now right. you know it's a, it, it doesn't matter if this one didn't do well this one did super well so they're you know well what i i think what what i think barbarella barbie caught the uh the gestalt of the time right you know i mean it it, it that's a huge f- female film that's had I don't know how many 60 70 80 years of of advertising to seep into the <laughs> seep into the culture right and at the same time you turn around and you have uh, Oppenheimer with a great great director yeah. and he shot it for IMAX and uh, stunning visually but it's also character driven or trying to be yeah. and that's doing well yeah. So who the hell knows? Well, what happened in, in in my time, our time, was that Stephen King came along. Not Stephen King. Uh, Spielberg. Uh, Stephen Spielberg came along with Jaws. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, that made the summer blockbuster. Right. You know, and then you started to have just 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 those, you know, coming out. And then that sort of topped out with E.T., which I think was before Fright Night, maybe 81 or 82, and made a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Then that started to... You had a great. It's only when they lo- they're lost and don't know what to do, which is uh, that book uh, that they did about rolling whatever, the that happened in the in with, it happened with Easy Rider. Uh, raging Easy Bulls. Rider. And Easy Riders and Raging Bulls was the book. But, it, but Easy, but yeah, thank you. That's what it is. The book. Mm-hmm. But Easy Rider really made Hollywood lose faith in itself. In terms of being able what to choose, and for that, for those few minutes, and I was there for it, they threw open the doors to original scripts, and that was when. Look, it used to be when I first came to town, every waiter and waitress was was an aspiring actor. By the time that that the the the, the late eighties were through, early nineties, every every waiter and waitress was a had a script under their arm that they'd written. I mean, so these these are the things that you go through. I don't know what's going to happen now because we're in we're in a war between between cord cutting and and streaming, and streaming is getting to the point where it's as expensive as as, as having a cable subscription. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, so they now they're dying on the the first they thought the money would the first they thought the the stock price went up with subscription, so they spent the money to get the, to build up these subscriptions. And then all of a sudden they realized, or maybe they don't even realize, if you only introduce your movie on screening, on streaming, it goes away. Nobody knows what it is. So I still love movies. And by God, if you can get it released in a theater, then you have a chance to, and then let it go to streaming. But if you can get it introduced in a, in a, in a theater, you have a chance of being remembered at least for a little while. Right. Do you still go to the movie theater? 
I did before COVID, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yes, I haven't. I went. I went. I didn't go for Barbarella, but I did for Oppenheimer. Mm, okay. You know, because that's going to interest me more. Yeah, I saw Oppenheimer too. <laughs> Which is good. We're going to see it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've been trying to. We've been gone so much, and I want to see it. The seventy millimeter. They have it. They have a an IMAX seventy millimeter yeah. in in yeah. Uh, Irvine. So we're going to go to that. Well, that that's that's what I did. I went over here. I think this to to, to, to Universal City. Mm -hmm. The uh, the yeah, I don't know. The business is in a is in a real state of flux, and uh, I don't think anybody's happy about it. Right. Uh, they can't. I mean, I mean, how much Disney's lost a billion dollars with four or five films alone? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 insane what's going on. They're they're going to bankrupt themselves, not just Disney, but the other companies too. And you can't. The, the, they had easy money with 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 cable. Because you were paying a lot of money for a whole bunch of channels you never watched, okay? And now you're turning around. If you if just in the last couple of weeks, Disney's rated raised their prices. I think Netflix has. I've, they're yeah. all raising their prices. So now, if you put together four or five streaming channels, you might as well as have might as well have cable. Yeah, costing the same amount of money. And this yeah. is going on with raging inflation at the same time. When I'm paying nineteen dollars for a breakfast sandwich. <laughs> you know, you know it's gotten out of control. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, the people can't afford this, yeah. and then and, and salaries are not keeping up. Well, you got the, you got the strike. You got the the actors and the writers out for a reason. Yeah, I mean, they're right. We all used to live in the in the hard in between times on residuals. Yeah, but now they they cut out residuals, and I'm 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 very bitter against 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 SAG. I had lifetime health in SAG. I've been a member of SAG since 1961. Okay. Wow. And they cut out lifetime health about a year ago. Oh, wow. Did they? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, they did. And I and what was really valuable about that was I got you got fifteen hundred dollars a year towards dental. Right. Okay. And I have lifetime health of the writers guild. So I had three thousand towards dental. So so the Writers Guild, and Ed Asner said this was going to happen when they brought in after and they brought in the standards and extras and everything, but they they couldn't afford to keep up with health care anymore, so they just said goodbye to everybody that has worked their entire lives and was depending on the health care along with Medicare, mm -hmm. and that's a hell of a financial blow. And mm -hmm. then, of course, you had you have a terrific lawyer named... Uh, uh johnson noel johnson something something johnson who he sued him on on a class action suit you know for for taking away the the the, the, the long-term health care the retirement health care mm -hmm. and now as opposed to the five thousand dollars that i had in, in benefits with lifetime health care i get a check for four hundred dollars a year wow okay wow. and if i don't know if, if you guys know a lot of I know a ton of actors because I've grown up with them and I'll, acting quite often. You'll, if you're really good, maybe you'll have a run for 10 years. Yeah. But they're, they're very, very, very few people like the major stars who go for an entire lifetime. Right. Very, very few. And so if anybody is really vulnerable and needs medical care, it's, it's the actors, the writers too. 
Yeah. I mean, you you look at only about what half of one percent works. Right. Well, also to all of the IATSE, all the workers on the movies, you know, I'm one of those people that is affected by the strike and, you know, uh, haven't worked in over, you know, a hundred days. I have health care too, that I have to, you know, all that stuff, and, <laughs> you know, uh, that, that it affects, it trickles down. It affects everybody, you know, in the movie industry. Yeah. It's hard. Very hard. And we got into it, but the better question is, would we, if we knew what we know now, would we do it again? If we were young, yeah. would we do it again? I'd still do it. That's how stupid I am. <laughs> I'd still do it. I think I would have been tried writing novels a lot earlier. Yeah. But I yeah. did try writing novels when I couldn't do it. And then I right. found out I could write screenplays. Right. Yeah. And for whatever the reasons are, I've always, I've always sold my screenplays. Yeah, because you're good. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I I don't. You were good I, at I, it. I, I I don't really have an explanation for it. It's Do you just, have imposter syndrome? What syndrome? Imposter syndrome. It's when you imposter syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> no, because I've I've had. I mean, I really killed myself on Psycho too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I was working seven twenty four seven, for yeah. for for like three or four months. I mean, really giving it my all. Yeah. Uh, well, I can't wait to read that book. Uh, hurry up and finish that Psycho Two book because I'm, I'll be the first guy to buy it. I swear. <laughs> Thank you very, very much, Chris. You're welcome. Well, I see. Well, I know I'll see Sean at that 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 in, at Harround in Indianapolis. Will I see you? I'm, I'm not at that one. Okay. Yeah, well, I think the way things are going, Sean, you should get me out on more big, big conventions. I mean, it's it's the only way to make any money now. Believe yeah. me, I'm I'm getting the same call from everybody, <laughs> <laughs> especially right now. <laughs> well, anyway, the questions were great from the fans. I, you guys both did a great job. Chris, Thank you, you, sir. You have a lovely quality. Thank you, you sir. Know, and I love your workshop. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Sean, you have a hell of a collection there of guitars and a few heads. I don't know. I, I don't know. I should show you all mine. I should have put them up more up, up more to see. Well, I, I'll drop in some photos that I took at you know, when I took pictures of your stuff at your house. I'll put in some photos so people can see some of them. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Well, I mean I mean I've got Evil Ed making his transition, you know, from wolf to boy. And transition is very hot right now. <laughs> it's very current. Nice. Nice. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Well played. <laughs> well, I'll see you this weekend. And thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank I, you for having me. Sean, how are you getting there? By plane. Are you flying out of, are you flying out of John Wayne Airport? Yeah. Yeah. We leave thursday morning get in thursday evening coming back monday that's that's what we're we're doing the same thing to get there but we're making a connection in dallas oh yeah i don't have a direct flight yeah no Where we have you... a layover in houston i think okay yeah unfortunately out of orange county it's very hard to get direct flights well i'm terrified of, of going to lax oh i hate it 
I hate on it. getting up at five o'clock on Thursday morning to make an eight thirty. Yeah. You kind of have to at that airport. LAX is LAX is brutal. Anyway, fellas, I mean, this was terrific. I mean, we've been doing this for almost two hours. No, flew by. <laughs> flew by. You're a delight. You're a delight to talk to. I could sit and talk to you for days about all this <laughs> Hollywood well, bullshit. So. When I get when I get the Psycho Two book out and you read it, contact me through him and we'll talk. I will. That sounds okay. amazing. You got okay, it. Yeah. And thank you, thank you, thank you, because this is all. This has become more important. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, it's become podcasts are a way of of interacting and getting the word out to the fans and the and, the, and yeah. the public and you don't have you're not you're not paying a publicist or you don't have to be in the studio system to do it and it's yeah. just great it's also a great way to 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 document hollywood history on so yeah. many levels both both modern and 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 historic hollywood history you know it's important these stories are told and 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 kept you know what i mean I think that. And yeah. I kept telling Roddy, Roddy, for, for God's sakes, please write your autobiography. And he yeah. kept saying, I can't because I really do know where the bodies are buried. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> Real quick, though, where yeah. can fans uh, buy some of this stuff? I, do you have a website where you're selling yes. the novels? Terrortime.shop. Uh... I will put uh, the link on the screen, terrortime.shop. Yes, and we're 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 on Amazon too. Okay. All the but if you want them signed, you got to go through my store. Okay, I'll put the link on the screen where people can find the stuff and buy signed copies and and uh all the other goodies and stay on top of the new releases and whatnot. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm just I'm just working now to, to, to this is all amazing. Look, I'm working very hard just trying to keep up with the demand. You know, it's a it's good not problem to have. Well, it's not that we're making any money, but we're, you know, I mean, but, you know, I mean, I just got through putting all of our money into stuff to take to Harhound, mm -hmm. you know, and now people are, are, are saying, well, where's, where's Fright Night? Where's Psycho 2? You know, well, it's because we put all of our money into what we're taking to, you know. <laughs> so you That's guys got to come to Whorehound, buy all that stuff so you can put right. that money back into those other things. That's well, right. it's, it's, it's very, very difficult. Very, very difficult, but I am learning to run a bit to run a web business. I yeah. had no idea, but at the same time, I'm working all yeah. right and I'm interested and yeah. I'm not sitting here going crazy with nothing to do. That's right. And big shout out to Jack who helps you a great deal. Jack Ulrich and my son, Josh Holland, both yeah. of them. If I didn't have the two of them, I'd never be able to do any of this. Yep. That's great. And Sean, thank you. And Christopher, thank you. Thank you, sir. It's and thank an the fans for the terrific questions. God bless. All right. All okay. Right. We'll I see guess you we... later, Tom. See you later, alligator. Bye-bye. 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 Okay. So that was that was awesome, though. It really that was, was awesome. awesome. We was, needed that. We it, needed that for our show, too. It kind of woke us, woke us up, too, because you it and totally me were a little. I knew once we started talking to Tom, we'd get a yeah. second wind. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Was great. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Tom Holland was freaking awesome. He was awesome. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, that guy, that guy is a gem. Yeah, he is. And I, I could sit and listen to yet another, 
I could sit and listen to him talk forever. It's so uh, that's why I didn't say much of anything because I was just like hanging on every word he said. So it was amazing. Yeah, and and uh, he's a great inter. He's a interviewer's dream because he yeah. just goes goes, you know? <laughs> uh, and and that's and that's great. Um, yeah. Anyhow, uh, check out his website. Go buy stuff. Support Tom so he can yeah. keep putting out all this other cool stuff to document yeah. history and his films that need yeah. to be remembered and need to be celebrated. Indeed. So indeed, and be cool to each other. Be cool to each other out there. Yeah. Thanks for watching. Stealing man. stuff and quit. Stop it. Don't shoplift and don't be just, homeless. Get a house. Just, just stop it. <laughs> don't be homeless. <laughs> I was trying to yeah. solve the homeless problem. Don't be just homeless. Because cool, all the homeless people probably watch this podcast. That's right. All you got to do is do one thing in life, man. Don't be dicks to people. That's yeah. it. It's not that hard. And all don't right. do uh, don't do math. Don't do that either. Yeah, because that can lead to problems. At least not on a regular basis. Yeah, or fent the fentanyl, that's the hot thing right now. The right? fentanyl. The fe they're doing the yes. fentanyl. The fentanyl. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Tom, Tom Holland says it's making zombies come to his house. He doesn't like it. I don't want zombies at my house. So None of us want zombies at their houses. That's right. So, anyway. All right. Take care, Goodbye, everybody. everybody. Until next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Hey guys, just want to jump in here real quick to remind you our shirt store is up online. tpublic.com backslash user backslash malfunction. Go there, we got a bunch of new things. We got a bunch of. <clears throat> Come check it out. We got a bunch of thing with two head designs, all kinds of designs, more designs you know what to do with. Horrors Holograms designs. There's Hollywood's Holograms designs. You can get mugs, you can get shirts, you can get stickers, you can get a onesie for a baby. You can get a notebook. You can get a throw rug. You can get pretty much anything you want. So get on there. Tpublic.com. Backslash user. Backslash. Malfunction! I'm gonna pee and go have right. some lunch. All right, buddy. All right, pal. All right, chief. <laughs> okay. You're talking there. to you, tiger. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know. You know I love Champ. It. Champ. Sport. Yeah. Yes. No, you man, you got a bunch of them. <laughs> I got them all. <laughs>